Hey, what's up? Welcome to Basecraft. So, I'm just back from a UK tour about a few weeks, but I recorded this podcast, I'd say, the week I came back. And you can actually see in the video, if you're watching it on YouTube, I have like big bags under my eyes. The tour wiped me out. I don't know, it's just after the break of two years from doing it properly. It just takes, it's taken its toll, you know, but hopefully I'll get more used to it. Really enjoyed it, but was so wrecked after it. Um, some epic drives, like Plymouth to Edinburgh, near Edinburgh, like that's 500 miles. I'll put a picture up on the screen to show some of the, the drive, like, um, I, that's absolutely killer. But, you know, I'm not complaining. I am a little bit, but not really. Uh, you can't beat, you know, being on the road and getting to play loads of gigs in front of crowds. So that's awesome. No gigs in Ireland yet, but a few coming up. And um, yeah, that's what's going on in my world. I, I kind of had stopped practicing there for a while. I like, wasn't really doing much shedding. But then I'm playing the double bass a bit, actually, which I never play. It's just like an ornament in my house. But um, a friend of mine started doing kind of a, a monthly country music thing, playing like John Prine tunes. And he asked me would I bring the double bass and play it. And actually the first night of it, I brought the double bass. But I also brought an electric bass and amp. Because I was like, I don't even know, can I play this thing? And I never really got that into it or really put in the time to be able to play it properly. But you know what, I got away with it. I didn't even need to use the electric bass. So I'm going to start putting some hours into that. And that kind of leads into today's guest, Cormac Moore. Who has been in the Late Late Show house band since 2009. So that's the Late Late Show is like one of the longest running talk shows in the world. It's the biggest one in Ireland. So he's played with loads of famous people like musicians and actors like Russell Crowe. And um, he's a fantastic electric bass player. But he took up the double bass in the last five years. Which he tells us all about in the podcast. And um, it was really interesting chatting to him. And I got some tips off him you know where i could go with it and how i could get back into actually properly for the first time playing the double bass instead of just you know being a hack and just throwing throwing my hat at it like because it's the kind of instrument you can't just play without having good technique you need to know what you're doing so yeah cormac is a class bass player i've seen him playing a bunch of times over the years and um he as well as being in the late late show band he, he was in like a comedy band the cannon bar quartet and he's managed and played in loads of tribute bands over the years. So really uh, interesting character. Been a professional musician his whole life pretty much. And um, well worth checking out. So follow the links down below. And hope you enjoy the chat. As usual, fo- follow me on Instagram and all that stuff. If you want to help me out, you can throw some money in my tip jar. Buy a t-shirt or whatever. I'm supposed to set up a Patreon. I didn't get around to it yet, but I will. Um, actually, I was going to do this series of videos on YouTube. I had like I was going to do loads of them, 30 in a month, and I made like five of them. That was like six months ago, and I kind of stopped and haven't done one since. So w- once I get them done, I'll start the Patreon, and that'll be it. So anyway, enjoy the episode, and I'll see you in a minute. Well, if you're happy, I'm happy. I'm happy, yeah. What's the story? I'm, we're recording now anyway, so what's up? Man. How are you getting on? I sure look. We're getting there. As they Were you say. on the telly last night? I was on to tell you a little bit, yeah. I, I didn't watch it. It was <laughs> Valentine's Day specials. <laughs> They're nuts, yeah. Well, I don't um, really watch I watched it lately a bit, but not. I would be more more Tommy Tiernan I'd be watching. But. Well, sure, look, I know. Um, uh, sure, you're a young man, as they say. <laughs> and not, not to put down the Late Late Show. But I'm not the target uh, audience. It's, well, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more the target audience, probably. Lads over their mid-40s. But... Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't too crazy last night. It was all right. It wasn't, too, it was tame enough. But uh, it has been mental on a Valentine's. But we've we've only had a full audience back in the last two weeks or three weeks, so it's um, 
after two years like so um it's nice to have the audience back it makes such a difference my god because yeah. um most of the time like most of the playing we do would probably be on the commercial breaks you know <laughs> you know yeah. yourself keeping so, them entertained like yeah well that's kind of like it's a lot of the job really is is kind of keeping the audience entertained so um and without an audience that's why we, well, there was no band there for 18 months because there was no audience mm. so um so it's nice to be back as they say yeah because yeah. i had dave swift on he was saying it was actually easier without the audience because it was less pressure but i suppose yeah. jules holland is all music with a little bit of chat and yes the show you're on is lots of chat with a little bit of music that's exactly right and i was listening to dave because um I, well, obviously, it's very interesting to listen to. I, I, you know, as, as I was saying to you beforehand, uh, I don't know how interesting I am, but uh, it, like Dave is, he's on a music show. Yeah, we're on a, a light entertainment show, I suppose, is what they call it. Um, and uh, so some weeks we wouldn't be playing with anybody in particular. We'd just be doing play ons, um, uh, which, well, yeah, a lot of like last night. Did we play with any? Oh, yeah, we were back in Cleona. Um, see, I forget. I forget. <laughs> the minute I walk away. I, we were playing with Cleona Hagen last night, yeah. I get you to turn up your mic a bit, actually. You're, it's quite, well, okay. quite low. How's that? That's better now, yeah. Yeah, it sounds... Well, I'm listening to myself, so I can hear myself. But, um, Yeah, um, yeah, I forget. I forget. Like It's like uh, Dave, Dave um, Swift gets to... Um, yeah, he gets to play long pieces of music, several of them in a show. And uh, like that's what musicians are used to or what they kind of aspire towards doing. And what we, what I suppose what the late late band does is slightly different in that you kind of have to do that and you have to do play ons, um, and play ons are kind of a different discipline, so to speak. They're like um, you know they're very short. You know you get you get three four count in usually and you're you're off and uh, and you can make so many mistakes. <laughs> it's, it's like Jimmy Fallon that show, isn't it? The Questlove yeah. and the band they they do the play ons, yes. don't they? They do the play-ons as well, yeah. Oh, they're fantastic, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, like if we if there was one a couple of shows at the end of last season that I did because the band weren't there, but they would uh, they I came in and did a couple of shows and um, and they were musical performances and it was so much more relaxing in a way because you could just mm. do some performances and um, like play on the problem with play-ons and I, I was as I was listening to Dave as well, you know, a lot of stuff pre-prepared with the late late. A lot of stuff is last minute. So play-ons can change if guests change and if um, guests get pulled and, you know, you could have a game show or something where you have to play little stings and it's like, um, so it's a, it, like what I would say about it is it's because we, I was only discussing with the band just some of the lads of the band yesterday. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard unless you, you've done it to kind of realize how stressful it is, I suppose, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Especially stressful if you, if you uh, do make a mistake. And you mm. go home, you go, God, I don't want to watch that show in case, you know, like, and it usually is a tiny little thing, but, uh, um, yeah, it's like the MD has a lot of on his shoulders when he's counting in, you know, mm. guests live on a television show. And sh- and we've had guests on the show that, you know, uh, famously, uh, Peter Kay would never tell you what he was going to do. And he'd come on and just start singing songs. <laughs> and you just have to play along you know, with him. Yeah, that's that's a bit. Yeah, that's a bit of stress. Uh, well, it, it can be. I mean, it, usually they're fairly straight. Like, you know, he, he starts seeing the Saw Doctors. That's grand, you know, all that kind of stuff. So usually like, you know, we've been doing it a long time, so it's grand. But but yeah, it, it's not like the feeling in the pit of your stomach goes away uh, just because you've done it a million times. <laughs> uh, you've been doing it a long time. How many years have you been in? I suppose to give context for anyone who's not from Ireland, we should explain what this show is. It's the longest right. running talk show in the world, I think, is it? 
I late, think late. I've heard tell, I think it's the 60th birthday um, this year, this se- or yeah, this season. So I think there's some sort of big bash at the end of the season. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, 60 years. So I don't know. That's what, 62? Is that right? Mm. Um, yeah, 62, yeah. Um, so it's been running probably as long as television has been running in Ireland nearly. Um, yeah. Um, and they're only on their third host. Is that right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Pat Kenny, yeah. uh, Gaburn, Pat Kenny, and Ryan, yeah, and Ryan Tuberty, who's the lad, um, that uh, the, the fellow that I've been working with for the last uh, 10 years is it 10 years 2010, so that's uh, 12 years, but we, we lost 18 months, as I said, in the pandemic, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's a long running chat show, it's it's a weird one, uh, it's because it's not strictly a ch- talk show that people in other countries be used to, where you know you have guests on. Um, most and, and like I, I did call it light entertainment earlier, but it's it's more a mixture of light entertainment and serious stuff. Um, mm. The original host, Gay Byrne, was there for forty years or something, I think. And he um, his thing was to because Ireland was a very different place in nineteen sixty two. Um, it was to introduce issues and talk about issues, um, and and a, lo- a lot of modernization happened in this country in the last even the last twenty years, but certainly in, in the last sixty years. And I think. For a long time, the show was seen as that um, during his tenure, certainly as um, a, 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 it was a big, well, television was bigger back then anyway. I mean, you know, in America, everywhere in the world, uh, television was, you know, market share was like, you know, shows would have 70 percent or whatever. I don't yeah. know what, you know, the many options. Shows. We only had one channel in Ireland for years. So like, yeah, I had to watch it. Like. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And it was what we talk about. Well, I don't know if we talk about it in the schoolyard in the 80s, but uh, maybe when we were a bit older, we talk about it if we watched it. But then people who have lives don't watch chat shows on Friday nights, I suppose, when they're young fellas. Um, so, yeah, you're out and about. That's it. Like yourself, Stephen. No, uh, I'm not as young as you think I am. I don't, <laughs> I don't be out on a Friday. I'd be inside. Well, hopefully you'd be gigging on a Friday. That's the other thing. That's, that's yeah, what I haven't done an Irish gig in ages now. I've been back and forth to England a lot, but the Irish gigs yeah. just haven't been happening. They haven't actually, have they? It's it's taken a bit longer here. We we are a bit um, well, I mean, like rightly so. We're just we've opened up a bit slower, maybe as well. Um, and but we're getting there now. Um, but um, because I haven't even been doing a lot of gigging really. Um, and I kind of do. I know you you yourself do a lot of touring and your which with, with your own band and stuff. Um, I kind of tend to play with all all over the place with here here there and everywhere in Ireland mm. with, for a, events mostly and functions and things and. Uh, uh, they haven't come, they only just started to come back like I'm doing a wedding tonight for God's sake I oh, think that's nice. the first one in well, certainly the first one this year anyway Wait, weddings so, can be strange can't they sometimes they're like there'd be a great buzz but when it's a bad wedding it's the worst game of your life because you're like well the, can, the, if, it, yeah if the families don't like each other or something yeah no, I don't know about that but I know a guy he's in a, a rock wedding band and he said someone came up to him and said you're shite You've after you've ruined my daughter's wedding. It's the worst wedding I've ever been to, and they're like, yeah. "Well, didn't even apologize." They're like, "We're a rock band, like so. What well, you want? You like, that's what was booked." Yeah, no, I, like it's a, it's um um. I think the RT did it, or the Doc on One, you know, the radio show did a, mm. a, a thing on wedding singers or wedding bands, and um, they they had a couple of different people on, but one guy was an old guy, you know, who's been doing it all his life, and. He was like the day his mother died, he had to organize somebody for the wedding that night. And, it, it, they, you know, because it is someone's special day as well. But like, yeah. it's that's the thing for a band. It's like it's pressure. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, like you it. say, somebody comes up and says that to you. You're, you're kind of like, oh, God, pack the van. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I, get it. I get paid. Do we get paid. <laughs> yeah, geez, it can happen. All right. Yeah. God help us. But um, 
yeah, well, they're back, I think, this year anyway. So um, I'll have a bit of work. I, I, I'm, I'm not like yourself. I haven't done an awful lot of touring abroad. Um, um, the odd bit, you know yourself. You get a corporate event in Dubai yeah. or you get a, you know, a, a, a birthday party in, in London or something, that kind mm. of thing. Um, but um, I've, I've tended to do a lot of my, well, like I've, I've been, I've been on the late, late since 2010, but I was on a TV show before that with Ryan, the, the host had a TV show before that. And we were on it um, with him on a Saturday night. And that was since 2004. So it kind of blocks out the diary a lot. Yeah. It's very normal like, for you to be on telly. Like after all these years, please. you don't, you just like for some of my, for my, myself, if I was to tell my mother, I'm going to be on the late, late <laughs> show on Friday night, it would be like <laughs> amazing. But at this stage, yes. you're probably so used to just being on the telly all the time. And I'm not even sure if my mother knows that her man are off it now at this stage herself, because <laughs> it's like, are you, are you working at all? Or, yeah, you know, cause I haven't been working, but, um, yeah, no, it is. It's yeah. I, I, yeah, it becomes kind of, um, you get used to it. All right. As they say, um, it's, a uh, but, uh, but there, yeah, it's a funny thing because, um, a lot of people like the, if I do get recognized, let's say I'm, I'm not recognized, like people don't recognize me, but the odd time somebody will come up to me in the street and say, and, and think it's me but it's actually the, they they mistake me for the keyboard player because they think we're brothers. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> I actually saw um, you at a gig years ago, about 20 years ago, when I worked in um, a pharmaceutical factory in Clonmel Abbott. Oh, yeah. The Cannon Bar Quartet came down and I hated the job. It was awful. Like, working in a factory, yeah. it was so boring. But you were great crack. You took the absolute pit. The CEO is obviously yes. American. They're an American company. <laughs> Remember it. Yeah, and you did a couple of gigs there. Your singer was ripping the piss out of the CEO. And he was yeah. loving, loving it one bit, and it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for the um, employees, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we were never booked again. I think we did it about <laughs> three times that gig. I think we did it. A, we used to do it once a year for a little while. Um, yeah, Paddy's great crack with the. Uh, he's that 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 band is like kind of my my like that was the band that became the Late Late Show House band, and that was uh, we can kind of came from him. Well, like we came from a. My background was uh, where I met Paddy, who was the lead singer of that band, was in um, art college. So we we kind of started out as kind of a well, it's, I suppose like uh, it was it was more like a bit of crack, and it was kind of like musical comedy more than anything else. Mm. Um, but Paddy happens to be a fantastic singer and a great musician. Like he's he's very musical, so um, uh, he kind of drew myself and him went to college. To, and him went to college together, and then when we kind of we used to play for the people in. We used to put together shows in the college and it'd be crazy like you know you know to be people dressed up as dorothy out of wizard of oz and you know <laughs> um with, with a little um dog on a roller skate toto and a rainbow there's a great fella that used to dress up as dorothy um, um with a little rainbow over his head and everything it was brilliant um singing wizard you know, songs from the wizard of oz with us backing them and then you'd have you know it was all sorts of craziness like it was in our college so we used to book out wheelings and just go mental and everyone from the college would come and uh, it was brilliant crack. Um, and it was kind of like a sideline. It was like, you know, we were doing degrees at the time, so we didn't, you know, I kind of, I fell into this job in a way. You know, you know, was it fine art or was it what kind of sculpture or fine art you were doing? I was, I was, well, I wanted to be a painter when, in first year and then uh, they ended up stream, putting me into ceramics, which I was kind of going, what's this about? But I ended up doing more or less, it was sculpture then. So ceramics, ceramics is kind of, you know, working with clay. So, um, we had to do pottery and stuff like that as well as uh, in second year and stuff like that. But then you could kind of specialize in what you wanted to do. So it was, it worked out well for me in the end, um, in that I got to do something that 
more fine arty than crafty, if you know what I mean. Mm. But um, no, I love college. I was brilliant, but I'm obviously not working in that job now. Oh, the news <laughs> got in the way of the art. It, it, well, yeah, it was. Well, when I came out of college, I found it very hard. I mean, it, I'm sure a lot of musicians say this, younger fellas say this to you, you know, how, how do I do this job? How do I make it? You know, how do I, yeah. you know, pay for the rent and, mm. and do something in the arts, let's say. Um, and like, that's one thing I'd say about art, artists and musicians and anyone who works or actors or anyone who works in the arts. I mean, it's a very similar kind of path. There's no one path and there's no, no way, nobody's going to be able to tell you how to do it. Um, and when I left college, it was the mid nineties and things had, hadn't really gotten like, like, if you think music is bad, try, um, try doing art for a living. I know. It's, crazy. <laughs> like it's tough. Like you're, you're relying on like grants and getting like art yeah. festivals to fund you for six months to do a project or something like that. It isn't like, yeah. And like, and like uh, another thing about it, I think that's different as well is that it's more solitary. Uh, that's the thing that I think, um, that's brilliant about music is that it's all it's and it's it, the quicker you realize it in music i think the better is that it's collaborative and and it's about a network and it's about you know your friends whether whether it's even if it's playing a wedding or it's but it, or it's writing an album or it's uh touring it's it's about hanging out with your friends and kind of everybody putting their work together to make something better and mm. uh and if you don't have that network I mean, you, you can you know even solo artists you can think of solo artists but i mean you can guarantee that um they're there because they met the right people and they learned from good people or they had good teachers or they had good friends that supported them and helped them and, and, you know, from whatever element, whether it be mental health or just, you know, um, being the a drummer in their band or whatever, everybody has to rely on other people. So it's, you know, and, and when you're an artist, I, I couldn't, I suppose the other thing about it was when I left our college, I was like, I was, I did feel lonely. I felt like it was a kind of a, um, you know, you're, and I, I wasn't the, uh, I'm, I'm more of a shy type person. I'm not one of these, uh, I've developed a little bit. I'm a bit better now than I was when I was mm. 18, let's say, but, um, you know, I, uh, I, it was felt like a very hard furrow to plow uh, by mm. yourself coming straight out of our college into the, the art world, let's say. And, and I happened to be getting gigs and, you know, it was a bit of crack and it was a bit of money in it. And yeah. it was, it was easier on my head. Were you making pieces of art? Like yeah, even though were you doing, like getting into it, like doing doing um projects and getting ready for I don't know um what did they have like exhibitions? exhibitions yeah. yeah, I like you know well that's that's the thing. I was I had I rented a studio down um, near Mead and Rat Mines, and I had um I was making pieces, and I was and I was like this is this is the grim part. I was like on the dole, but I was on a false course that gave you an extra bit on the dole to kind of help you along to do things like that, which was brilliant, you know, because um I think that that support that you can get you know i spent about two years on the dole let's say um after college and it allowed you to kind of do it's, it's great for musicians and artists to, yeah. to just they don't you see but I, I, they don't sit at home doing nothing but some of them do i'm sure mm. but most people need that i think it's the good thing about this country that there is a bit of support there that you don't feel like like i could well back then you could pay the rent and you could live just about and you could make like i was paying rent on a studio as well out of that and as well as the rent I was living like, and rents were a lot cheaper then. And yeah. that's something I think in the nineties, things were a lot cheaper and it was much, it was, it made it a much more um, fun time. It made it easier for artists and musicians to do whatever, whatever they wanted to do. And, uh, but ultimately after a couple of years of that night, and, and, and I did do an exhibition and um, it was a group exhibition stuff. Um, I think it was just, a, it was more of a, a mental health thing. I think I was just kind of ground down by it. I couldn't, I found that the music was easier for me um, 
headwise. And like I said, it was, it was, I was doing it with my friends and I was, yeah. you know, and I found it hard to kind of, I just needed to take a break, I think. Um, and ultimately what happened within a year or so of doing that is that I had loads of work and I kind of really enjoyed it. And I said, you know, well, there's no point in me just trying to fool myself and trying to do two things at once here. I'll just do the music and see how it goes. Mm. And it, it went really well um, in terms of um, I had loads of work and I was making money and I was able to pay bills and I was having fun. So um, that's what happened there. And uh, I always felt like, I mean, like that's, that was the, the old career path in the sixties for all the English bands, wasn't it? It was like go to art school and end up in a band like John Lennon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was just thinking you were a bit like John Lennon there, like going to art college and then just going, doing the music instead. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, like my parents were very supportive about, um, I mean, for God's sake, I was, I went to art college. Like, you know, it wasn't yeah. like I was going to go to do accountancy. It was like, you know, they, they didn't say to me, Jesus, we're very worried about you. They were expecting you to be broke. Like they were like, oh, sure. Yeah. Keep them off. Yeah, and like I'm from a farm in Kilkenny. Like I don't know where you're from, Stephen. Farm, but you yeah, know, that, farm as well. So, <laughs> no, and and most of the lads I went to college with, or and and a lot of the girls that I went to college, girls and guys that I went to college with, were from, you know, backgrounds that, um, like that. You know, you get the grant and you come up from the farm and you and you, you and that's another great thing about and uh, you know, having a relatively free education. It was you know you had to pay your rent and stuff, but um, the college course itself didn't cost much, um, and it was. Uh, four years as well and it was brilliant um but uh yeah so like look it was uh like it didn't turn out exactly the way i expected to but then what 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 does in this business you know yourself exactly like i had pretty much given up on music uh when i was in that job in abbott like yeah. i just went and got went to college to do like a science degree and i had no yeah. intentions of yeah doing music in any kind of way but just the bands kept getting you know doing better and yeah. better and by the end of the college i was making I live doing the band thing and I didn't need the degree, but I'd given up on any ambitions to be a full-time musician at that stage. Like, Isn't it funny, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause like, like, and, and that's often the case, isn't it? It's like, but you, you obviously had the, uh, I, again, I'd say for myself, I think a lot of the, we're, we're bass players. So, but I think there is a kind of a type that is a bass player. A lot of the time it's like a person that kind of is that kind of collaborative type of person and, mm. and doesn't have maybe as much as e ego as the, as the, uh, lead singer let's say or you know okay it's, it's a bit of a cliche it's but true, you know though. lead singers and guitarists like they're well you know in i kind of want them to have a bit of an ego <laughs> you know what i mean it's you need that up the yeah, front yeah you kind of I mean, need it like you know you're man. not if you're shy and reserved you're probably not going to be the best lead singer anyway like so yeah and and, and sometimes they are shy like off stage but when yeah. you're on stage you want to have that you know i mean i get into it on stage i love it like um and and maybe that was another thing about it as well is that you know you can't perform a as easily as an artist you, there's there are certain things like performance art and stuff arts and stuff like that but you know it is kind of a solitary pursuit i mean so is you, you practice your instrument at home for, for hours if you want but then ultimately you get to go in front of people and mm. all going well um for the good weddings um people are going mental and having the great having the crack um and if they're not you're still enjoying the music yeah. if you're not enjoying the music you probably shouldn't be there you still enjoy the gigs like you know you're you're not yeah you, you enjoy yeah. every gig you still enjoy doing kind of do yeah I'd, i'll be honest with you yeah like that's if, class if, like yeah like you know like i i can't be highfalutin about it what i do is you know i'm playing covers most of the time and you know you can put your own spin on it and you put your own bit of yourself into it and whatever but ultimately like i'm, I'm not john lennon i didn't write any beatles albums so far <laughs> you know um it's kind of like going back to what i did in college like it's a craft thing playing the bass itself is kind of a craft more than an art um, yeah. if you ask me. 
I like the element of it myself. Like, you know, you know that you're getting yeah. better all the time and you put, yeah, you putting the hours in the shed and you know, you're getting well, that's better. The thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and like when I was in college doing ceramics, a lot of the fine artists would be coming out ceramics to, to, to check out some of the techniques we we're using to make things because there was a big movement in the sixties to get rid of kind of education, the old art education where it was all about drawing and it was very stale and it was very classical and in it's very similar to what we have in music. These, we've we struggled with the music in the last couple of decades. Um, that uh, they did that they did that in the art schools in the sixties, and then but like the craft department in all these places still you, you can't work with clay unless you have techniques to to deal with it. You can't yeah. work with certain materials like uh, bronze or whatever um, unless you you have to learn how to weld if you're going to use steel, and and they're they're the craft elements of it. It means that and and what I think I think craft can bring so much to an. It, an art form is nothing without a bit of craft. We all know that anyway, because you know yourself, you, you, in any band you love, they have something about them that's, you know, you know, if you've, if you've got a brilliant band like Queen, let's say, like Freddie Mercury is an awesome singer and that's a craft. That's yeah. not, that doesn't mean he's going to write great songs. He happened to write great songs as well, you know, but, and, and like Paddy in, in the Camembert, he, um, he was a brilliant singer um, and that's a craft. I don't know where he got it from or who taught it to him or how he learned it, you know, like, you know, I'm self-taught as well, so I didn't have a teacher, but um, he had it. And then he, he decided to use it to do what, what we did a lot of what was, was, was comedy with it. But um, um, so there's a, there's a craft element to everything you do. And, and if, you know, you kind of want that tech, you have to have some technical ability or it's, you know, it's, it's very rare you find somebody who's a brilliant songwriter who can't hardly play and can hardly sing, you know. Mm, but um, Bob Dylan gets slagged for that a lot, but. You know, yeah, Bob Dylan gets that slagging a lot that he can't sing, but he, he actually can. Like, I think he, I think he dumbs it down a bit. Yeah, I think he, he's playing a character most of the time, isn't he? Yeah, it's a character. Like, one second, going to turn off my heater for I suffocate. I, okay, I turned it on. on to give myself a blast of heat before we started, and I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> I know the feeling. But uh, it's a good analogy you make because it's kind of like you know the way you were saying they have to learn the techniques, how to mold the different ceramics and stuff. It's the yeah. same in music. If you don't have yeah, good technique, exactly. you can't express yourself. Like you, you can't yeah. get out what's in your head. Like, yeah, forgive the pun. There's a baseline of technique. Yeah, you need to be able to express yourself in most things. And uh, and and uh, every every and I'm aware as well that every time you say something like that, there's going to be somebody that will break that rule. You know that. Um, uh, like I said, there there are people who probably. Um, have a great songwriting talent. Like I'm, I'm not a good singer, but you know, you could put. Pro- I can put a melody together. I can't sing a bloody thing very well, or nobody wants to listen to me singing it. Mm. You know, um, so you can always. That's the other thing about the collaborating. You can always hire somebody else to help you. So yeah. that's that's what bass players. I I always make that point to other people as well. They ask me, um, uh, you know, if if say for instance a bass player needs work, he has to find a drummer. He can't go out there. You know, generally people yeah. don't want to hear the bass without a drummer. No. Really, you know. Like I, I was saying to somebody recently, you know, uh, in order for me to work, I need two to three other people to, you know, agree to be there with me on the night. Yeah, it's the nature of the instrument. Like it's, I'm doing yeah. a ma- performance masters at the moment and I have yeah. to do a gig like, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Gee, this is a lot of stress because no matter how much good I am, I still need a singer, guitarist, bass, a drummer. I need other musicians to come with yeah. me on this, like, and. Yeah, it, it, that I, I know, find that like, element of being a bass player is stressful sometimes. Like, because no matter how m- good you do your homework, you're still relying on a singer could just you, play you the whole game without bad, the band. Yeah. yeah, like if the singer goes to the the middle eight before you, 
you know, you're, you're, you have to follow him and it mm. makes it sound like you made a mistake, even though he did or she did, you know what I mean? So, and that's a small, you know, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, and going, yeah, as a bass player, you, that's why we're like, I suppose, you know, I mean, I don't know how you feel about Stephen, but like when I was a kid, I always listened to the bass for some reason. And I don't know why that is. I mean, you'll have to get Freud in or something and figure that one <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> well, why, why had you that obsession with the low end? Maybe it's something yeah, to do with like, the firearm detractors or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. And, and like, I didn't start, I didn't pick up a bass till I was 18. Like, so mm. like somebody left it in my house and, and, and I, oh, but I always knew in my head, I always thought, I love that instrument. I love the sound of it. Um, um, maybe drums might be a, a, a second to it as well, uh, you know, percussion stuff, because it is a percussive instrument, the bass as well. But, um, but I always loved, I always, and I knew when I picked it up for the first time, I said to myself, I kind of understand this, you know? Mm. Um, uh, now I obviously looking back on it, but I was able to play something on it more or less straight away, but like, you know, because it's a lifetime, like, and you still wouldn't know nothing. Uh, no, as they it's say. crazy, isn't it? Well, how how yeah. was the earliest you became aware of music? Like, was there music in your family or, uh, cause I, I didn't play bass till I was 18, 17 or 18 either. Like, and, You're the same as myself. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't even own a CD till I was 16. So it was very wow. late getting into music. Like, Yeah. Like I was, I suppose um, I was into music. Like there was always music on in the house. Like there was always RT Ron playing in the corner. Like the radio is still never off in the kitchen, you know, and you'd spend most of your time there. So and I remember as a kid, like uh, I got a Christmas present and of, of Beethoven's fifth. I think it was about my fifth birthday and my mother got it for me. I don't know. I must have been home along to it or something. I don't know. Um, and I used to love that. But like we had all loads of old records at home, I think. Um, like I remember there was Sousa, like marches and things. There was old 78s and we had an old 78 player. And there was all these old things, probably from my father's um, sisters and stuff. Had, they were like, they're from the 60s and the 50s, some of them. Um, and uh, we broke most of them, probably. They were all made out of slate and as kids, but we did listen to them as well as break them. And they all musicals and stuff like that. Um, like uh, The Little Prince or well, The Little Prince, what was it called? Jeez, I can't even remember the name of some of them. We just put them on. We wouldn't know the name. And, and I remember specifically uh, one of the reasons why when we were doing the musical comedy thing about 20 years ago, um, we had the Muppet Show cast album from, the, it was in the 70s now. And I loved that because it was all sorts of genres of music and it was, great crack mm. and and it was really well played actually listening back to it it was this the, the Muppet Show was filmed in London and they had like a, a group of London session players like doing all the stuff and uh, you know so yeah I remember that kind of stuff loving all of that and we'd, we I'd, I'd play that record again and again and again you know yourself um, and uh, and when we were kids we loved things like ABBA and, and the Beatles and all that stuff which all had great bass lines about all those pop stars like Unbelievable. The, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of Abba's bass player, but my God, brilliant. Um, and, and the Beatles, I mean, McCartney. Sure, you can't go wrong, can you? No. Because um, you can sing everything he plays, can't you? It's, um, it's so melodic. So, you know, like there was always music there. And like there was an old piano and my mother would tinker on it. And she, she used to play when she was younger, I think. But I never really saw her play it very much. And there was bits of music there. And I just potter about and that but it was way out of tune still there and it's way it's a it's probably in about a, a semitone flat the whole thing mm. and that's it at, at the good parts of it um and uh so i think around I, I i did love it that's the thing i suppose i always loved the i loved drawing and painting and listen to music I, I when i was a kid and um and you know when i was in school i i i, I did well i used to study until about until my interest certain after that i kind of lost interest in study and stuff i just got into art and I said to myself, I, I remember I went up to the open day in NCD and um, I said, I want to come here. This is what I want to do because I just, 
I knew the way I just wanted to do something I, I enjoyed and, you know, um, and even though I wasn't a musician yet or I didn't play an instrument, I, I always loved music as well. They, they do go hand in hand. There's, there's something about them, I don't know, um, cognitively or whatever, that it just suited my brain type. And mm. um, so I, I was, you know, and obviously when you're in art college as well, like all you do is listen to crazy music. Yeah, um, hang out with all creative types and you're getting, yeah, you're just, it's just lunatics. all around you, like yeah, music and art and everyone. It's, it's a melting pot, I suppose, isn't it? It's it's a fantastic place, you know, I mean, it's, you know, and I was talking to an old lecturer of mine about five years ago, I met him at a gig and he said, um, you were in the, you were in the right place at the right time it was a great time to be there because there was, you know, like I was saying to you earlier, the nineties was a much easier time to go to college in Dublin. I was from Kilkenny. It was like, the, you know, um, uh, don't cast aspersions, but the minute I could get out of there and get up to Dublin, you know, I, mm. I did it. Um, and I really didn't look back and that. You know, I, I really loved it. It was just, I found my people, I suppose, as well. Like, I suppose we all do at, so, at that age. Or we hope, you know, I, I certainly hope for my my kids when they're they're that age, they find that groove of, you know, the right people and the things they're interested in because it's a great, it's a great thing to be interested in anything these days. Um, mm. You know, you can get distracted so easily by, my young fella plays Dylan Pipes and, and God help me, I don't know how that happened, but because um, <laughs> I feel like I was saying trad. To make up, like. <laughs> yeah, it's and he's fantastic, but uh, I'm just delighted he has something that he's interested in. To yeah. he can you know, you know, like music's great like that. Um, and these days, there's no certainty about anything, is there? You could you could go and study accountancy, and then a robot has got your job in five years time. You know, yeah. There's no, well, I've, se- I've seen those robot bands. See, did you ever see them? They were playing like motor Motorhead or something. They were absolutely oh. terrible. Like, so yeah. our, our job should be saved for oil. Oh God, yeah. Well, that's the thing the pandemic has taught us, hopefully, that people want to, well, you know, they're starting to come back to gigs now. And um, I mean, how did you find your, you, you were just touring there recently, weren't you? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, really good. But people are still a bit apprehensive to come out like, and they're mm. even at the gigs, they're apprehensive to go a bit mad. They're like, is it okay? Because remember, they had the rule, you're not allowed to dance for a while. Oh, or, yeah. So the, the people are very reserved, like more than they used to be. So it'll take a while yeah. for them to get back to normal, but you can see the excitement of them when they're getting to see a bit of live music finally. But even for me, like I, when you have all these people coming up, shaking your hands and hugging you and close talking to you, I'm finding that hard to get used to again. Like, cause it's like I, I spent two years in this shed, like pr- practically. Wow. Yeah, I know it's, it's definitely true. I mean, we're still social distancing on, on the late, late. And uh, even though the audience is back, the first two rows aren't there just in case. I mean, I think we're nearly there. It's, I mean, there's a, but uh, yeah, it's still, you're right. It's it's going to take a couple of months, I hope. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think like, about I, it as much anymore myself. Like I caught the COVID on the tour, yeah. last November tour. Yeah. I just don't, yeah. I, I don't seem to think about it anymore. It's just like, oh, whatever. Well, like, like a lot of us have had it. I've, I had it a year ago and and like a lot of people are have, have had it twice now. And, you know, um, they've had the, the mild restraint and they're vaccinated and it's not such a big deal and it's like a cold now and I, I know loads of people have had it recently because and part of me is like that's the, the I suppose the anxiety I suppose is like I'm going to do a tv show I have to do an antigen test every time and it's it's just such a it can mess up everything uh, mm. at the moment but it's not uh just the fear isn't there like um I wouldn't have the fear that a you know it's going to harm you or whatever mm, just mess up your I know that doesn't go for everybody but um, but for me anyway, certainly, uh, and, uh, it's just going to take a while to get used to, but like, I'm dying to go to gigs myself, um, mm. whatever about, um, uh, playing them. I, I enjoy 
don't get me wrong, I'm going to enjoy playing. I'm going to enjoy, you know, playing a wedding and playing. I'm playing in a restaurant tomorrow, and I'm. I was doing the late late last night, and I'm. I like this is the first weekend. I'm kind of going. I'm actually back to where I was, what I used to do, you know. Um and uh, and I love it. Like like I said to you at the beginning. I I, I mean I don't know. Do you, have you asked other guests this question? Like like I I generally when I'm doing a gig I do enjoy it, even if it's the gig's not going particularly well. I can find something to enjoy out of it. You know uh, yourself. I, I don't know. I'd say you're quite unique in that way, like because. I've often yeah. made a gig like, and <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, like, I think you're, I don't know, as everyone like that, that's, it's, you're lucky to enjoy. I suppose sometimes if I, if it's a bad gig, I'll, I'll say, oh, let's, I'm going to experiment tonight. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll use one finger on my left hand or something. Yeah. yeah. Just to, no, to I'll, 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 play with plec- yeah. I'll play with a plectrum for the whole gig, even though I'm not yeah. really a plectrum player as much or, but that's yeah. unique. I think that you enjoy every gig. Like that's you're looking. Well, that I mean, way. I suppose the stakes aren't as high. Maybe if if I'm not playing my own music, mm. the stakes aren't as high. You know, like I tell you what, the only thing that I suppose that does get me maybe a bit sometimes is nerves. If it's live television and um, yeah, there's there's never a time I go I do the late late where I'm not um there's not some sort of element of it's not like a normal gig. There's always something where you kind of think to yourself, right? You have your I mean, I, I, I list out everything that I have to play that night because it changes all the time and everything. It might be changing an hour before the show. And, um, but when the MD goes three, four, you know, to count you in, if you don't, it's happened to me where your mind goes blank and goes, what the, what is this? And you look at the iPad and you're okay. Uh, but you know, like I, I, I wonder, um, I'd love there to be in my ideal world, it would be like every piece of that you're playing is written out for you. With the bar number, the count in, you know, mm. and it's it's written so that you, you know you could read every part, but there's never time to do that. And you know, I'm not fast at writing things anyway. Uh, do you read and, like? Uh, are you a reader? Like, I do read, but yeah. I, I'm not I'm not like I'm not going to be sight reading Teen Town or anything. But mm. you know, I can read. Like, um, uh, I've managed to teach myself that much. Um, to you know, to a standard where you know, if it was a, a play on or something, your standard pop rock thing is not going to be a problem. Like, um, mm. and certainly if I've written it out myself, I'll know what it is. But uh, um, but you never have time to do that. And the MD certainly doesn't have time to do that. He doesn't have time to do it for himself. Um, you know, um, it's, it's, I kind of, when, when Dave Swift was talking about Jules, I was kind of envious. I was like, at least he gets a heads up, um, generally. What for, song is uh, going to be coming up? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you can kind of write it like he, he's, he's great. Cause he writes everything out, doesn't he? And he's yeah, he, every, uh, by hand. He has his, his charts. Yes, and he's a he's a, a great reader, and a, and and I've seen looking at the charts, he's, he's he's great at writing it out as well, very clear and, and looks great, and um, you know it, that I have done that for for even if I have to do a mime and say there's there's a because the drummer you know oftentimes in the late late it's live vocal to track and you're doing a mime, um, and the bass player has an easy job in that situation. It's like um, generally nobody's zooming in on your fingers mm. and you know if you're because as you know it's a rhythmic instrument so if you're if you're doing boom 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 are you going boom 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 nobody's going to notice your right hand with the camera on it even you won't no. even know if you're miming that whereas the drummer the poor old drummer has to make sure every crash symbol and every tom <laughs> is in the right place um like uh ray or the old drummer the late late used to write out every mime you have to write the whole thing out because you know, and have it on his on his floor, Tom, because mm, that's otherwise hole, just get it, caught. Like? It's uh, and it's you know, but um, at least with a mime or something like that, or a piece of music, usually we would get a piece of music at least a day in advance. So, um, 
it's it's now the, the odd time like i said peter kale come in and say i'm doing a few hymns that i used to do in the church when i was a kid and i won't i might tell you the name of him but i'm not going to tell you what key it is and what part of it is i'm going to sing and he just starts singing it and he won't even know what key it's in and we have to find it you know that has happened a few times um and uh and that's a bit nerve-wracking but um but generally if it's uh if it's a piece of three minute piece of music we'll we'll get we get it on the Wednesday, maybe, or we might even get it a week or in advance if it's with the orchestra or something like that. So, um, and sometimes we'll even get charts, which is great. Um, makes life a lot easier. And like I said, if it's, it's only say, sometimes if you're doing a double bass thing or something where you're standing right behind the, the singer and you, you, I, I just know from experience now that like, I'm going to get caught on this if I don't, you know, I, it's just, I'm too, I'm too exposed to not write it out so that mm. I, I look, um, like I know I'm not miming it basically. And it's funny. It's often the things you're not miming at people. You, I, I don't go on Twitter because I, I just don't have the time for it, but I, I don't generally do social media, but our, our, our old MD Jim used to always have the Twitter feed open when we'd be playing and he'd be like laughing just to laugh because of the yeah. trolls, you know, Getting um, abused. if you're on a show like the late, late, everyone hates you. It's yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the course. It's far for the course. I mean, musicians aren't too impressed with you because um, you've got you've got a good gig. <laughs> Not trusting aspersions, musicians, you're all great. Um, we like um, everyone likes to slag off other people anyway. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and like there's all look, and I'll be the first to admit it. There's always a better bass player out there that'll be going. You know, but I could do that gig. That'd be you know. I mean, and and there is. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best bass player in the world by any stretch of the imagination. Um, an element of it is definitely being is is definitely luck and. I'm able to do the job and I was in the right place in the right time and I managed to keep the job. And that's probably the real truth of it. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's when I'm singing a live backing vocal that you get the, look at your man miming. <laughs> <laughs> look at the bass player's miming. And it's, it's when you're singing the live. I didn't even know he mimed, to be honest. But that, now I know oh, I'll be watching now. out. Like I'll be Well, it, it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, a lot of the time it is live. Uh, but, you know, you know it, the, the thing is like, and this is the reason that we, there's a lot of mimes is that if there's three musical acts on, they just don't have the channels and the setup to do, to swap out three different, unless it's the same band playing the three parts and there's, you know, just a, a singer flying in, to, flown in, like we did a James Bond thing there a while back and we did three James Bond song, songs with, with um, a load of strings and brass and it's just three different singers, but the, the band was the same, so it was fine. And that was all completely live. Um, and that, and like, I, obviously everyone prefers that. Um, because it's, you know, that's what you're, you, you don't get into this gig to be miming, but mm. you know, it's just a nature of the business on television. A lot of the time it's live oak, the track, because it's just uh, a logistics thing more than anything else. Um, um, but like I said, sometimes you have to write the bloody thing out anyway, and yeah. or you certainly have to listen to it and, you know, know what you're doing. Cause you're going to get caught. If there's a little bass figure for a bar, there's going to be a camera on you for that. Well, mm. you know. Um, There's never a camera on the bass player. The amount of times I'm trying to transcribe something on YouTube, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm not sure what the bass player is doing." And you'd be thinking they'd zoom in on him when he's doing the lick or the fill, but not they're looking yeah. at the drummer or the guitarist or something. Well, this is why we need. Yeah, um, even though our director in the Lele Show is a bass player, um, <laughs> that's why we need more musician directors. <laughs> but it's it's a hard gig. I mean, you've got four cameras, and and they they write out a script for every bar. Um, cause my, my wife works, used to work, um, doing the, it's called a BCO. It's a position in, in, um, who sits beside the, the director and the producer in the box and BCO has to get, if there's a piece of music, they have to break down every, all, they get all the lyrics and they break down every bar and, uh, and they write the lyrics 
starting at each bar for the director to put the shots in. So, you know, the, there's a person in the box counting every bar when they're when they're shooting those things. So, there, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. But, you know, they, they try to do that. You know, depends on, uh, you know, a good night or a bad night. They try and catch all those little things. So you're but, saying you know, when your wife used to do that job, she had a load of notes saying, zoom in on karma here, <laughs> all the best shots. I she only she only worked I think she worked on the late late for a little while but usually it wasn't on the show I was on I remember once she had to do a concert orchestra gig and there was this um there was loads of pieces with really difficult time signatures in it so she was she was tearing the ear off me going what's this what's that because she had to write it out mm. and I was like geez you know look this is what I think it is I'm not gonna you know because they wouldn't she might get the score for one of the pieces and then there was this guy um this Piper guy, Galician fella, Carlos Nunes, and he was doing this piece, and I swear to God, I couldn't count it. I was just, what the hell is going on here? Free it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was just, um, and it, now the easiest thing would have been, of course, to have the score, but she didn't have the scores. I think she had the score for one piece. Um, but generally it was okay, but like, yeah. So, and like, like these, you know, she, in that job, you're not trained. I think you do like a little module on how to count bars and that's it. <laughs> there you is go. she that's, a musician? Like... No. No, it's crazy. You know what I mean? There you go. And like some people, you know, she'd be fairly decent at it. Um, for a non-musician, she's excellent at it. But like some people have no, you know, as you know yourself, some people yeah. are musical and some people aren't. So, but that's their job. So it's an interesting, um, yeah, an interesting job. There's something we could fall back on, Stephen. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> counting away. <laughs> but uh, you do end up with some interesting people you're playing with on like someone like yeah. the Jules Holland show, which is always obviously musical guests, but you've backed up yeah. like Russell Crowe and yes. people like, is there ever any interesting situations when you're backing up these kind of guests? Well, yeah, Russell well, like, is in a band, isn't he? Like in, he, he started in this position, he has, I think. He has his own band, I think, and he writes songs and stuff. He, he did it. I think he did. He did a concert here after we, he got up with us. I think he, he might've even been promoting it, but um, yeah, like he was on the show and the thing about that one was it was, it wasn't planned at all. Like he just said, he just decided to get up on the stage and sing a song with us. So there again, nerves instantly. Oh my yeah. God. What are you do? Um, there was no, nothing set up for him. So he basically took Paddy's mic and I think the keyboard player, Doc tried to put a mic on his guitar. He's an acoustic guitar or something. Um, we were trapped up in this little balcony at that point. Uh, that's where our, sta our stage was. So uh, I don't think he knew the show was live um, mm. because he just wanders up there, starts <laughs> setting up to sing a song. And then gives out to the audience when they don't clap in time. Really? Um, nice. Yeah, well, he started giving out to them. Like, he was like, if you're going to clap, he stopped the song. He said, if you're going to clap, clap in time. <laughs> Where <laughs> Irish people don't clap in time. <laughs> a lot of the time. Well, we always joke on the late, late. It's like Irish people also do the country music clap where it's one and one and three. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and the late, late show clap is one and three. It's not two and four. So, um, you know, uh, but like, luckily he, he got up on stage and he's, uh, you know, he's, he just turns around and goes, Blues an F, and I was like, "Thank God!" Oh, so easy. <laughs> what was the song? Just a, ra a random blues song, was it? Yeah, I, I think it was. You know, it was like, yeah, it was like uh, I heard a trainer come. What's it called? Or Folsom City Blues, or something like mm. that, or Folsom Brizzy Prison Blues, or something like that. Um, luckily, and um, yeah, it was fine. But then the next time he came back, he brought a he brought a guitar player and um, a piano player, singer. I think he was in Band of Brothers, another actor, basically. And we kind of filled in the band around him and did a few mm. few of his songs. Um, so that was, he's a real alpha male. He's, mm. he's good crack. Uh, that's but, a good like, one on yeah, the CV though. Him. Russ, yeah, you wouldn't cross him. They no. have on the CV though, that's class, Russell Crowe. That is. Yeah, well, they're the kind of things, yeah, they, they, uh, they're the memories, aren't they? Mm. It's like, uh, you know, 
and and like a lot of people like i remember she came in and um they uh they did the warm-up and everything so they because they're quite a you know it's a big band and to set them up we were kind of set up behind them and so you're st- i was standing behind jerry and uh and the drummer um uh while they were playing i was standing behind them like and i was mm. Fantastic. I mean, it's just, that's a great band and that, that'd be my dream job now. I'll be honest with you. Cause Bernard Edwards is like, he's my guy. Yeah. Pick player as well. Isn't he? He was always using a pick. I think was he Bernard Edwards? No, he had this chucking style. I think he used his finger like this mm. and he just he used it like a pick. Um, I don't know how he did it. I, and actually I tried looking it up cause I was learning. Um, I remember trying to, I do, um, you know, the beginning everybody dance, um, that's that's got that 16 note mm. he does oh, yeah. it with his finger like a pick but he doesn't use a pick and um i i just learned to do it finger style because it was a good exercise um and it's not quite the same you kind of have to just put a dead note in where you can't kind of do it with the string crossing thing um but i looked it up and i tried looking up on youtube on how he did how how what the technique was he had mm. and you can't really find it well he couldn't back then a couple of years ago he couldn't find somebody demonstrating it like you say again you can't see it. It's so fast. Yeah, I think you'd be better off just learning how to use a plectrum. It's the kind of thing he probably just, yeah. he didn't want to learn how to use a plec and he started doing this and he got really good at it. But I think a quicker yes. route would just be learn plec- how to use a plectrum probably. But it does, it sounds subtly different. He does it a, a lot warmer, actually. You what? It's a bit warmer probably than using a plectrum. Yeah, it's a bit warmer. And I think the, the problem with this, the plec is, is that's, it's that 70s octave thing. You have to cross over that middle string. You're jumping from well, I, I do it on the A string to the G string. Um, uh, so you're trying to cross over that D string, and with a plectrum, you might. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You're kind of like, uh, it's like a bow, and you're trying to get a bow from the A to the G without hitting the D. It's like mm. it's, it's it's a it's an awkward technical thing. But um, he um, he, I was doing um, I'm coming out for a warm up there recently. Um, the the Giant Ross song that he played on, and there's the the bridge section of that. He does it again. He does it like he does this did it did it. And it's it's that technique definitely, and it's easy to do with a plec, I think. But that's the other thing; he made it hard for himself. Like, yeah, if you just got a plectrum, it would have been great. on his finger, jeez. Oh yeah, what a bass player! I think I saw someone was a documentary, and um, you know the the bassline that's been sampled a million times. The what's the chic one? Oh, good times. Yeah, good times. Yeah, when he wrote it, like I think he was just warming up in the in the box, like. And the engineer was like, "What turned on, you know, the talk back mic. He said, what, what was that? What was that bass line? And he's like, I don't know, I'm just warming up. <laughs> it's just, and uh, yeah, like, like I, I, and it's also for everyone out there who's a bass player, the perfect sound check one, because it's kind of got that nice range in it. And it's, mm. it kind of, because uh, you can't, you can't really sound check with a bit, of, you, you know, with too much slapping or messing around. You're going to have, want to have something solid. I, I like, goes down from the low E up to that. Nice. Yeah, um, you'd be the sound engineer's worst enemy if you're one of those people that's yeah. playing like yeah. jazz or some crazy jacko lines for sound check yeah. and you end up yeah. just playing root notes all night like this <laughs> which is what we do yeah it's what we do. <laughs> I, I have a sound check riff it's so basic but yeah sure, what else would you want it, it does it, it pretty much covers all the sounds i'll use for tonight like you should have an instagram post of everyone's sound check uh, riff <laughs> i'd like to see <laughs> yeah. one i'll give you my one i'll do one for, i'll do an instagram from the late late next week and uh of because of, of, the great thing about a, a, a good bass riff for a sound check is usually the drummer joins in as a bit of crack mm. and then you can do a bit of have a, i mean if the sound if the sound one hasn't got it 
in the in the first forty five seconds for a bass, I think you're allowed to play some jack up bass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you have it in you or you have to want to attempt something like that, because um, uh, it's a uh, you know you've done your job. <laughs> it's uh, a bass. How loud uh, is it? Do you want to put a compressor on it? Yeah. How long does that take to set up? You know. Yeah, just these days everything's pre-saved as well. So, you know. Yeah, I remember we were recording our last album, and I don't know why I don't even play slap bass or barely anymore. Yeah. But I kept doing this thing where I slapped the bass between takes, and Phil, the engineer, had to kind of. He knows me well enough to be able to say as he said, um, "My pet hate is when people slap the bass." <laughs> because <laughs> it, it puts it out of tune like because i was about to do yeah. every time i'd go for before my takes i'd be slapping the bass and i was just like yeah you're actually right that's a stupid thing to be doing yeah. i'm just slapping the crap out of it even though there's no slap in any of our songs like yeah well it's just you know I'd, like going back to, to the craft there's something about slapping on a bass it's just it's just it draws you in yeah. you just want to you know you're a bass player somebody's gonna say to you just, just slap the bass there will you um and uh but no it's just so much fun isn't it yeah it is fun that's it it's it's enjoyable yeah it points up like and so unforgiving it just goes oh you're crap at this you better keep practicing that and you end up practicing (laughs) it a lot for no like i'm lucky because what i would have in my job like i i I remember once there was a play on i can't even remember who it was for must have been for somebody a hairdresser or a barber or something because the the play on was hair by larry graham i mean nobody knows that song and it was at breakneck speed. And like I was saying to the lads, I said, you're, you're a very lucky bunch that I actually know this because this is not the kind of thing you could just pick up today and say, I'll just play that. I'll just give me 30 seconds. I'll have this together. It was like, and yeah, it was like, you know, the original insane, is like, they were going, do them, but do that, but do that, do No, it's like twice the speed. So, um, yeah. Um, it probably sounded like a, I don't know what it sounded like, but uh, at least I had a heads up as in I had practiced it beforehand because it's one of those things you just kind of go, that's a cool line. I want to learn. That's probably most of the stuff we learn is like, it's a cool thing I heard. And like, I have a playlist yeah. in Spotify and I just go, that's a, that's a nice one. I'll stick that in the playlist and get to that at some point, learn that. Uh, it, it's most of my practice routine, I'd say, is just learning things that other people have, you know, funk mm. tunes and stuff that go, that are, are nice little riffs that I've heard. Um, at this point, I mean, I do do, a little bit of practice, but you know yourself to keep the chops up. Well, if you learned, uh, I know you didn't like you picked up the double bass. What in the last ten years is it? Um, last five years, really. Five years. I, so, I, like, you yeah. must have put in a lot of hours in the yeah. shed to get to the level where you could play that, like, proficiently. Well, it's it's it's. Do I do I feel like I can play it proficiently? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Ask any. It's like I, I compare it to um, my young fella playing the pipes. I think I, I've met a few pipers and some very very good ones over the years because of that. Um, and uh, I remember Davy Splan was in, and I'll get. Believe me, this is relevant. Davy Splan was in with Moving Hearts, and they were doing the late late, and uh, just before they went on, because uh, 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 my, my friend Ray, the drummer, is best friends with him and he knows him a long time. He says, yeah, the, the pipes, he hates the pipes. Like, and that, like the, the, every, every piper hates the pipe, not, not piping, but they hate the way the pipes behave themselves all the time. Mm. They don't behave themselves. And we, he, moving hearts were in, they did a great sound check, just about to go on. I could see Davies Blanc going, oh, jeez, like this at the side of the stage. They turned the air conditioning on. So the thing was, the whole room was freezing. And, okay. and he just knew, he hadn't played the pipes yet. He mm. just knew these are not going to be in tune because they've changed the atmosphere of the room. Um, and that's what it's like with the bass, you know, like with a double bass is very similar that way. It's, it's just so unforgiving again. And like, I, I'd say to myself, right, I made some progress. 
and like I have, like it's been five years. I do kind of tend to practice for about an hour a day at least. I have kids and it's very hard, but I do. That's put the a lot of practice, there. especially when you've got kids. Like, and you're saying you don't do yeah. any. Like. Yeah, well, that's it is a lot, I suppose. Probably, but it's a lot for me. Um, and uh, so I feel like I can, like I, I, I put together a quartet so I could do, you know restaurant gigs drinks receptions and stuff so that i could practice that's real practice isn't it as you probably know yeah. any yeah. any musician knows that plays gigs you, you think you're doing grand you go out in a gig and you realize right i've got a lot of stuff to do here this mm. is not happening um and so after about a year of kind of shedding the, the double bass i i am I, um, and that's when i decided to get my reading together and everything as well um so it was a, i put a lot of a lot of stuff on my plate and uh, i went out and did my first gig and i was like I can't tell if I'm in tune. I just can't tell with amplification and everything as well. It's like, mm. I, I, I have to change my, is my pickup wrong? The strings, everything had to be reevaluated. <laughs> I was like, you know, and, I, and I, not, not least my own technique and everything. Mm. So I feel like I'm in a much better place than, than that. But um, it's, yeah, it's like, you look at people online, you just go, right, okay, I've got a lot of work to do. And, you know, I'm happy um, to be able to play tunes and yeah. to be able to play through standards and, you know, take, you know, the odd little solo maybe um, on the double bass and have a bit of crack with it. And, um, and like, you know, and I'm trying to do, I try to do things like I do, uh, we do dance monkey in the set and it's kind of, it's all this octave stuff and it's, it's not, it's not made for a double bass, but it's great fun. And like, I try to mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, like for what I needed to do, I'm, I'm, I feel confident enough now in it, but um, there's always more to be done. Like it's always, you know, and it's such a beautiful instrument as well. Yeah, but it I is, have, I'm playing a bit now, just with a, yeah. a two two lads who play country music, so it's like I've yeah. half the day between car changes. It's it's great. Yeah. That helps. It does help, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like that's the thing. It's um, but like you say, even doing that, like you know, and you see people doing that, and they can just add in so much to that, um, mm. and and just by playing it live, I think playing it live it just brings you on as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I mean, I suppose most of my, I mean. If I was to if I was to give any advice in terms of playing, from my perspective, what, what I've learned most from is just playing with people that are much better than me all the time. Um, like um, Derek, our sax player, Derek O'Connor, is just like probably the finest musician I've ever seen. Um, mm. He's like he's world class and uh, on piano and saxophone. And so, and what I find was great about musicians, you, 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 somebody like that who's really like he was he was a fully formed top class world-class player at 17 like um whereas i was starting say he came out of the womb playing the saxophone or something. yeah well his dad's a saxophone player that, yeah like he's he from you and, and like you know he it, yeah it's it's like he did it all right as well he did he mm. did the training and he did it but but that's not to take away from the fact that he, like as he says himself he loves music and he's always like you know and he likes you know and there, there's a, a lad with a craft you know there's that's where the craft music is a craft that from that respect to be able to play like that you just have to put the hours in and um but playing with somebody like that, you know, if they play autumn leaves and, you know, they're not going to tell you what they're doing, you know, and they're just going to look over at you and, you, and just, you know, you go, yeah, it's not really happening, is it? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not happening tonight. That's, that's when you say to yourself, right, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm being outclassed. I got to get, you know, there's, there's an acceptable level here. We've got to get back into the uh, room and get to the acceptable level at least. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's too late when you're on the bandstand, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you're not going to, um, you, so, should, uh, you should have put in the hours, but you didn't. And you know it. Like you're just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you know, with, with what I do, every gig is different. Like you don't know um, what the set's going to be. You know, if you're doing a wedding, you might get asked to do the drinks reception. So then you're going, okay, well, we're probably going to end up playing, you know, 
autumn leaves and blue bosses and stuff like this. And, you know, maybe I'll bring the double bass. Maybe I won't because it'll just, it'll just be easier. But um, you're going to be playing a six-minute version of Girl from Ipanema. So, you know, uh, and you might have to take a solo. So let's let's start working on that now so that next year <laughs> it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, um, and I'm constantly, you know, and, and you wouldn't be like that if you weren't doing those gigs, you know, uh, from, from my... For me, like I, I wouldn't need to learn any of that stuff. I mean, I didn't grow up listening to jazz standards myself. Um, I love it now because mm. from from having to from listening to it. And like if I if I was to pick a, a gig to go in the morning on a sun tomorrow afternoon, if I wanted to go to a gig, I'd go to a jazz session if I could. You know, if there was mm. one on that I could get to. Um, and they're starting to come back, thank God. Um, uh, now, whether I'd be able to convince the wife to come with me, it'd be a different one. But you know, sit through that. She she could do the timing thing to keep herself. <laughs> what time is this? I do that with the young lads sometimes. What time do you think this is? <laughs> but I think the listeners would be curious to hear how you actually got to where you are in the double bass because you didn't get lessons yeah. right, did you? Did like no? Like, I what I, resources um, I did, did you use? Like I used the um, I did use Discover Double Bass a lot. Um, I used. Uh, I have the Samandel book. I'm about the third time going through it now. Um, that's hard work because yeah, people not... are so they're on the fence about that. Some people said it's say it's outdated. I have it here actually because I've been yeah. Afraid. This one is it? The first one, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's the one. It's well, it's like it's like anything. I mean, you know, I talk to young bass players a lot because uh, I run bands. Oh yeah, I haven't got that one actually. I must get into that. Read, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's the, that's the, another big one, isn't it? Um, uh. Yeah, like uh, you know, uh, it's like it's like anything. It's what you what you what you put into it, you get out in in terms. Like I'm a perverse person. Like if if I decide to do something, generally I just I'll hack away at it for you know like and like as that's where this is where coming back to the love of something is again. Like I love the sound of the double bass mm. and I love the sound of the electric bass. And you know when it sounds like the record, you go yeah. Now we're now we're cooking. Um, and until it sounds like that, it's you know I I just kind of bash away at it until I feel happy that I can do something. And when I got, I, I, I ordered a, a double bass from Toman. I, um, it was a mid, mid range thing, carved top, but uh, plywood sides. And um, I, I said, right, I'm going to just, I had an old double bass before that, but it was like never set up right. And I, I, like, I didn't even know if it could play in tune, you know, that way I said, feck that. I'll just get a decent new one that I know, um, that I can get, bring to a luthier and, and get set up. So I brought, I got it. The strings were ridiculously thick on it. Uh, the action was ridiculously high, even though you say to them, you know, I, I'm going to use a pizzicato and play it, use it for jazz mostly. And then I, I struggled with that for a while. Um, I, I look in a lot of videos, looking at the, um, and the Discover Double Bass thing is brilliant, especially the beginner's course, because all you need to know at the beginning is, how am I not going to cause myself an injury? Yeah. <laughs> you know? How do I, where does this hand go now? And I like, you're probably like me and anyone who learns anything to, that's another thing, great thing about the craft of music. It teaches so much about yourself, but I need to know exactly where this elbow goes. And then, and then you just, you, and, and it says, everybody tells you, look in the mirror when you're practicing all that. And you look in the mirror, you go, Jesus, none of it looks right. It's like, it's, it's a disaster. It's a very physical instrument and you have to play it properly. Like you can't double on not electric bass. You can kind of invent your own technique and you'll get yeah. away with it. But I don't think you yeah. get away with it on the double bass. Like, No, you won't. And, uh, and like, that's not to say that it's impossible. It, it's just, it means that for the first, I'd say six months for me, I felt like, um, I felt like, Every time I did this, it hurt, you know, that way a little bit. Mm. Like, and I know from playing the electric that 
it should nothing should hurt nothing should feel uncomfortable you know um and it just took like even that spacing that spacing there with the three you know between one two and four yeah, I was having good crack in the pub the last day a young fellow was playing the cajon and he wanted to learn how to play double bass so i said yeah i'll give you yeah. a lesson and i was like See your ring finger, forget about it. And he's like, "What? What's my ring finger?" I said, "Oh, you're too young for <laughs> get lost." <laughs> yeah, it's like I understand now why people talk about golf swings. You know, it's mm. it's the same thing. Um, and you look at other double bass players, and you just go, "Oh, that's lovely." <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect <laughs> form. You know, you look at a, you know, and then you look at other people going, "Geez, how is he making that sound so good? Everything's all over the place." You know, like I'm, but I'm one of those people that uh, I do like to um, to uh, learn how to do it right first and then then you know i'll fall into the usual bad habits or invent my own way of doing it if i, if I have to um and that's not to say i've learned how to do it right but it definitely doesn't it doesn't after when i changed i, I like it I, I wouldn't advise anyone to do it the way i did it really i'd advise you to go to somebody and say um uh just even get a couple of lessons and say um like what am i what can i do here to make this easier for me because i, I should have changed the strings immediately i should never have waited to get new strings uh they were like classical bow they were suited for bowing they were too heavy they were just they're going to kill my right hand and my left hand to hold them down um so i got new i've gone through a couple of different sets of strings but get lighter strings like i i found this in the electric i don't know how you feel about Stephen, but on the electric you know the standard standard gauge on electric bass is 45 to 105 i think is it or 100 Mm. I, i i just go a little bit lower than that and i find it just it doesn't make any difference to the sound and makes it much easier to play. And it's yeah, much better for things like slap and stuff and it brightness. The genre for me, I, for the, the band, the rock band, I use 90 to 110. Yeah. Like yeah. big, wow. thick one, extra thick ones. That's very thick. Yeah. Um, and I, but I'm a 40 to 95 guy if I can. Um, and, uh, I mean, I spend years playing the standard gauge and, 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 you know, it's, you can play away and it's like some people say, you know, it makes you play less and it's better, you know, but I just find like, the other thing that I mean, my job, I have to be versatile. I have to be able to do slap one minute, make it sound like a precision with flats and a pick in another, using my nail and rolling off the tone. Um, and, you know, and then just play fingerstyle most of the night, like most everybody else. Um, um, and, this, and, and the double bass, it's like, just make it easy on yourself. I brought it to a luthier. He brought the bridge down. He brought the action down. I'm going to bring it to him again now because I think the fingerboard needs to be leveled a bit more. Um, and uh, I got new strings, and that just changed everything. I mean, ma- made every Cause, uh, so much. Easier. I haven't changed my, anything on mine since I bought it off Toman, and the strings are absolutely massive on it. So maybe I, sh- I should get like new. Oh, a hundred percent. There's, there's. If I was to tell you, like I'm using Spiral Chords at the moment, but um, and there's, there's even ones I had. I, I put on the guts, the plastic gut um, ones, um, just to try them. So easy to play, made it easier to play, but um, very hard to t- your tuning is. It's very hard to hear the tuning. That was the thing for me, and you can't really bow them. The ones I got, um, and uh, I only really use the bow for practicing for intonation stuff like that. But like, let's face it, it's all about intonation. So yeah, that kind of I got rid of them, um, and I'm not going to be playing slap, you know, the the weed whackers or whatever. I'm not going to be doing that in any of the gigs I do. So, so I got spiral cores, and there's this company called Blast Cult who do a very very light steel string, and um, I put them on the D and G um, because my action isn't great on that bass, and I said. Um, and 
while they're not as loud as a spiral chord, they're just slightly little. I'm usually, you know, you were probably like me. If you're even playing with the country band, you, you probably have to use a pickup and go into an amp. Uh, no, we're just all playing acoustic in the pub. Great, like, even like better. This tiny bar and there's no amplification at all. Like so. And is and obviously your bass has enough power out of it and everything, so oh, you're it's happy. Plenty out loud, it's, like it's well, then fully it's good acoustic bass, session, and it's there's not a lot of people in the pub. It's only a jam session once a month brilliant. we're doing for the crack, like. Well, I'd say just get yourself a set of spire chords or something light, uh, lighter, like the Vikes, and um, and see how you go. Because it won't make any difference really to the volume, in my experience. Um, the very, very light ones are, are quieter, like the ones I have in the D&G, but I'm usually amplifying it, so it doesn't make any difference. Oh, I mean, what are you looking at? About 100 euros is it for a set of them? They're, they last for life pretty much once you get them. Like, but. I think spire chords about 150. I could be wrong. They're the cheaper end of strings. That's some, some investment in strings, but I know you have it to is. do it. Like. Well, I think... Like I was talking to a, a really fine bass player, um, Dan Bodwell, there before the pandemic. She's so long since I've even met another bass player. Sorry. And, uh, it's your first he, time um, meeting a bass player in two years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is great t- chatting to you, Stephen. Um, and he was playing spiral chords. And I said to him, You're playing spiral chords. Yeah. He says, um, And because like even two years ago, I was like, I was like, This guy is like, he's, he's a monster, a great bass player. Um, and he was saying, um, Yeah, I tried loads of different ones. I always end up going back to these. And I said, Yeah, you know, loads of people say that. So start there. That's the place to start, mm-hmm. I think. I should have started there myself, like I said to you. And there was, I had a set once on my old bass called the Jazzer. I, think, I can't remember, Perastro make them. And they are so light and flexible, it's beautiful to play them. And I think you're not going to play it if it's hard. And no instrument should be too hard. I mean, it's pizzicato, so that's why the strings have to be lighter, you know. Um, and then, you know, like when you, when you, as an electric player, you can feel that. You get those two fingers in and you can almost feel like I can get 16th out of this. This is great. You know, it really makes it fun, you know. Um, and and then you're not you're not going to end up in them getting um, physiotherapy. Yeah, I, I have to do something of mine. It's absolute. But I kind of get a laugh out of it as well when everyone wants to play it when I bring it out. And then yeah. the action is insane and the strings yeah. are insane. And like no one yeah. can get even a, a note out of it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You know, it took a lot of work to get good on this thing, but not really. It's just that it's it's a beast of a well, thing. Well, maybe you're right, Stephen. Maybe you should start like that because it gets all your strength up and everything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it is about arm weight, as they say. You can, but you can talk about arm weight and all this stuff all you like for, you know, until you actually get it yourself, you don't understand it, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, you just, oh, this is easy. Yeah, but mm. it takes six months. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a, a podcast with your man that plays with Robbie Williams talking about how when Robbie Williams did a swing album, um, he said to your man, um, so you played a double bass, don't you? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going out on tour in two weeks. Oh, yeah, grand, yeah. He, he'd never played it before in his life. <laughs> and I think he did end up in physio because of it. Because he, really? he had to learn in two weeks. Oh, Jesus, you know? yeah. But uh, in fairness, that's the kind of attitude that you, you, you probably should have that attitude. Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to learn this. Just do it. I'd recommend it to anyone to get one if you have the space. Like, and Yeah. I, I, yeah. My one wasn't expe- crazy expensive. Like, no more no. than like uh, an electric bass you'd buy, like. Yeah, like mine, I, I, I think I spent 1500 in mine. Mm. Um, and I'm out gigging with it the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, and I, I, as I said, the pickup is for what, for most people, you have to have a, a pickup. And, you know, you will, you mightn't have it, like generally, I wouldn't have it up too loud. Like it's just a little bit of extra oomph in a room um, so that you're playing acoustic because it's usually quiet in your, like I have a magnetic on it now as well because I had to do a couple of weddings and I realized. There's no point trying with a piezo. It's just pointless. It's just mm. it's feedback. Yeah, it's, they're very hard to get a sound out of. You just get complete yeah. like low end coming up feedback. Totally. It's a disaster. And and uh, yeah, so I got a magnetic pickup and 
you know, you say to yourself, Jesus, it sounds like an electric bass now. So what's the point? And you go, it looks cool. <laughs> and also you can really hear your intonation on the magnetic pickup. Mm. It's great for, um, and some of the great players play with, play with magnetic pickups. Um, it, it doesn't sound particularly double bassy, but when you're playing loud, all people want to hear is those fundamental low notes and, yeah. you know, um, and you just don't want to hear feedback. So get, you know, that's, that, you know, I, I, I said to myself after I got it and I played my first wedding with it, I went, why did I just hold off buying that for so long? Now I have two bloody pickups in the damn thing. Mm. Okay. It, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit messy, but you know, make it, just, you know, it does the job and that's the thing. Um, like that's the other thing. Like I, I only, have, you know, going through like, like I'm not a big gear head, but you kind of, it's good to know the stuff that works. And if you can ask somebody that uses, like I said, spiral cores, you know, a magnetic pickup, if you're playing really loud, um, go bring it to, the first thing you should do is bring it to a luthier. Yeah. Find there's a guy, there's a guy in Galway, is it? That's where everyone goes to. There's a guy in Dublin as well that I went to, uh, James Beatley there in Stony Batter. He's, he's, uh, he's got a workshop there. He works on all string instruments, but, um, mm. yeah, like I brought it into him and I emailed him, brought it in. It was done in an hour and he's he stand beside me. Like it, I, I didn't have to leave it there even, you know, just to get the bridge done to the right height yeah. and everything. And it just made like between that and the strings, it just made everything so much, um, easier like it's life-changing Stephen. do it God, i need to start it out was this I, my shed is a bit cold and I, I i'm just afraid buying an expensive double bass and then yeah thing well, happened to jaco pastorius when yeah. i read his book and um he lived when he was living in florida the humidity was crazy and he yeah. literally just came home one day and the bass was completely on the ground in different parts all the wood had set all the glue had separated from the humidity and the bass was exactly. just on the ground, completely disassembled and just fucked like. Oh, no. Like, Ireland is a good country for storing instruments, I think. Generally, we wouldn't yeah. be too high humidity like. You're not going to get seams busting too often, I'd say, no. And and like you, like like I said, mine is a carved top, but it's, it's plywood, the rest of it. And I think they're better for that as well. Um, um, there's no, I mean, look, at some point, I'd love to get a fine instrument and, you know, with loads of projection and stuff. But again, I mean, I am amplifying it most of the time for the work mm. and so, and I'm not a classical player. Um, uh, so like, it's not like I need to have a big resonant instrument that, you know, will fill a room with bass. Um, I have a little amplifier to do that. And, yeah. you know, so really the action is really important. Um, I'm feeling comfortable on to enjoy it, I think. Uh, and, uh, and then after that, then you say to yourself, well, anything else, you know, any of the crap sounds coming out with now are my fault. Mm. And not the, you know, the strings or the, the action or the fingerboard. It's, it's my fault. And that's, that's, that's my attitude. I always rem- try to remember that when I look and I'm looking at fine bases, lovely bases on the lo- online, old vintage instruments and things that you go, oh, geez, I love that. Now that'd be brilliant. I go, so, yeah, but I'm still going to be crap playing it. I need to, you know, I may as well just get me stingray out and practice, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's very, it's hard to not buy stuff, isn't it? You really have to be strong sometimes if you see a deal. Like- you. Well, well, what it takes as well sometimes in my experience is you buy something and get disappointed. You go, yeah. well, that didn't change my life, you know? Mm. Um, I'll I tell you one thing that, that I really enjoyed in the last, during the pandemic. Oh, I actually, I was going to ask you about this. A yeah. home and base. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. A, a kit. And I decorate, I, I, I spray painted it, it's aerosol, like, um, and put it together myself, put some flats on it. I don't, I don't actually have a Fender Precision, so I said mm. to myself, you know, um, and I, it was just, a, it was a project, you know, yeah. I put the nice vintage uh, color on the thing, put my name on it and everything. How and, did you, uh, oh, you, you made the little, the label, you printed out, stuck it on? I, I, I ordered it from England. Oh. But yeah, it <laughs> achieved. Yeah, and it was it, a car it was, paint you used, was it, as the color? 
I, I got the nitro from um there's a there's e, a, there's a company in England that has them you can get them all and you can get them in Ireland too. there's a fellow I know in Ireland who sells a nitro um from a guitar company like um and mm. it's I think one can they're like seventeen quid the cans and mm. that and the and the clear coat I should have got the primer but just you live and learn um it's 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 already like because it's nitro there's little chinks coming out of it and it's like starting to like I'm not going to relic it. It's mm. just going to get relicked. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done loads of project bases. Just few yeah. ones on the wall. Like you know, I, I like it. It's fun. But you're living in Dublin. Yeah. It must be hard. Like I have a, I can keep the dust in a different shade here if I want. Like, but how did you manage I, to not I, destroy the entire house? Like while you were standing down this. I am. Um, yeah, it's like I have this room. This is my. This is my palace. And uh, yeah, it, it had a concrete floor at the time, so I've done some carpet tiles now. So I probably wouldn't sand it in here now, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, it, that was fun. And that was like getting the gear out of my, like it was a hundred euro, the bloody thing. So it was mm. fantastic. Like, and like, it is a bit of a neck diver and the body's a bit too light. And, but like, for instance, I was doing that James Bond thing and, and, you know, diamonds are forever. It's precision with flats and the damping and it's got that like this little, little hook on a, a base by itself. And I was going, I'm so glad I, bu- I built that base. Now I can use it. I don't have to like borrow somebody else's precision. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I don't spend money on bases, really. I spend... You don't have a lot of bases. Like what do you have? No. A jazz, uh, a stingray. The stingray is the one I play all the time. And it's, and it's the only really, um, that's a, it's a 1980. It's a, it's really, that's real relicing. So um, <laughs> it's got a lot of like modes. when Louis Johnson used to play Louis Johnson, is it? I think yeah, he used that color, that finish. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, I got this, I got it off, uh, I think, I think Tony Malloy owned it at one point, but, uh, uh, it's, it's an old one. So, um, uh, I got it off Pete Fagan, but he, uh, well, I, I got up one night, it, it was, it, it was, a, a, there was a gig on and I got up on a Monday night and just jammed a couple of songs and they happened, your man happened to have that bass. And I was playing and going, this bass sounds brilliant. Um. And then about a year later, he was selling it. And, he, and cause I happened to say, I just said to him, she said, bass is great. And, uh, he, uh, uh, and I got it off him. So, uh, and I played it, I've had it since about 2006, I'd say. And I'd say 90% of the time it's the only bass I play. Um, uh, I use like, uh, I have a five string, uh, a G and L five string. And that's mm. great. That's a great player. I have the it's same bass, but, uh, the four string version of it. Oh yeah. I saw it on the wall there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic bass. Again, thank you, Leo Fender. And then I have a Sandberg jazz bass and an old Squire jazz bass, my first proper bass and nothing else really of note, I don't think. So nothing expensive apart from the Stingray probably be worth a few quid if I was to sell it. Um, but like every time I say to me, I'm leaving the house to go to the late late or something, I say, I look at the rack and I go, what will I bring? And I go, you fool, just bring the Stingray. Don't be an idiot. You know, because anytime I've done it, I've like, I remember one time doing a country music special. I brought the five string because it's country music and often they'd leave that low D and I don't play the five string enough, often enough to be kind of going, I'm a super, super confident on, you know, that kind of way. I only got it about two years ago. And, yeah, and it's I had very a, confusing when you're not used to it. It's just that little brain. If you have a little brain fart mm. and you end up on the wrong string, it's a disaster. And uh, for the whole show, I was, I mean, there's loads of live music and, and the bass sounded great. And I was going for the whole show. There was that little, Stress needle in the back on. Don't hit the wrong string. You Why did you bring this bass? You should have brought the stingray. You know, yeah, you don't really need the low D on this gig. I, I play in drop D a lot, actually, when I'm in the band. 
to get you, the, yeah. the lowest. Not if, if a song is in standard tuning on the guitar, I'll play in drop yeah. D so I can go down low. But yeah, that's a, but that's another that's another craft. That I you know I at one point I think I could do that, but I don't think I could do it. You know, if I was to do it right now, I'd, be, I'd get confused and hitting G's instead of A's and or A's <laughs> instead of G's and stuff. So um, um, yeah, I try and. I suppose that's the television thing, though. It's like, just keep it simple because there's a lot of other things to worry about. The last thing you need to be worrying about is, you know, like I don't even use, um, I don't use a pedal. I use a tuner. That's it. Um, uh, I have a little zoom thing. If I needed something like a, a synthy sound or something like mm. that, I have a little zoom thing I can turn on. Um, it was like it's 65 euro or something, a uh, digital thing. And You're fairly you frugal. Know, You're like, you don't be blowing I, yeah. the wad and all, these, all the gear unless well, you have to. I think I learned it. I, I just learned that it isn't worth it. Like, you know, mm. and then now, and, and like, look, I'm, I'm a professional in terms of it's my living. So I can write things off and, you know, I should really, you know, but like, I, I suppose for myself, I just learned that like, I, I can spend money on a nice interface here and, you know, have a good setup in the studio. I probably spend more money on studio equipment over the years, uh, over the last 10 years than I did on bass equipment. And it vacillates, you know, sometimes I'll have a little, I'll spend a few quid on this and that, um, but it's the studio or some bass or, you know, I have I, like the only bass pedal I really use on gigs is the fly rig, the Sanzan fly rig thing. Mm. Cause it covers a lot of different things and it's really small and it's, and, and it sounds good. And, um, I love the, uh, the filter wow on it. If I have to break out and do something, it's just like, gives it a bit of a, it's a bit of a head turner. Um, but like that bass, the, the, the thing about the stingray as well. And in, in my job, you need something that's, clean and quiet as hell because you don't want a sound man in, in television going oh, i need to gate that uh, there's there's just a there's a single coil homer and you can't have that really mm. so the old vintage jazz basses or whatever probably wouldn't cut it for for that gig um just for that reason it's 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 you just don't want the hassle of somebody saying a sound man going um it's a bit of a there's a bit of a 60 cycle homer or there's a bit of you know it's not grounded right or and that that thing is like a tank it just doesn't make sound it it's very rare that a light would even interfere with that humbucker mm. um and uh and i just yeah i keep it simple um also when i plug that bass straight into a mixing desk it sounds that's the best it sounds you know that way some basses sound great going through an ampeg with a bit of some valves and an eight by ten cab and and that bass doesn't sound good doing that for some reason yeah. to me um that's great for a jazz bass or precision bass but not a stingray and uh, i've been on gigs where there's an ampeg 4 by 10 and the, the tube lovely tube head and i go to myself oh bollocks i should have brought the jazz bass because the stingray is going to sound it just loses its bottle in it um mm. whereas the, uh, or a bit of treble or something too much when you have yeah, the ampeg. you lose the treble with the ampeg anyway and the stingray is like a lot of treble on it and then the bottom end there's a lot of bottom end on the ampeg and a bit stingray has a lot of bottom end already so and the mid range then just kind of lost. So it just doesn't, the great thing about a stingray on a gig is uh, it's versatile because you just roll a tone off it. You know, it, it's surprisingly versatile and also it just cuts through with a drummer. It's just, that's why I love it. Um, you can get that sound with these active, with new active basses, jazz basses and these, these fancy basses. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, look, it's just, I'm a simple man. I'm from the country like yourself, yeah. Stephen. I know, from farm. Yeah. That's it. You never thought of coming up, becoming a farmer, or you never thought you'd take up the the family business. No, that was the thing. Like going back to what I was saying in the beginning, like you know, I was I was a fish out of water in that world. You know. Yeah, me um, too. I was just. Uh, where you? I do the jobs, like no bother, like. But yeah, I just wanted to be yeah. inside. I was inside playing computer games most of the rest. Of the yeah, time. yeah. I had a Commodore sixty four in the eighties. Yeah, 
And uh, yeah, and I was, yeah, I was, I was happy. That's the same thing that worked against me after I left college, that solitary thing, working away, drawing at me table or whatever. I was happy doing that when I was a kid and a teenager. But then when I got older, I wanted to have that. Yeah. And uh, now on the farm, the farm was great for teaching a, a lot of, you're, you become a, pra- a much more practical person. Now, mm. everyone home at the farm would say that I'm the least practical person they've ever met, but compared to city folk. Yeah. <laughs> and the hard work like gets instilled in you. Like you just, yeah, it's so, yeah. You feel uncomfortable. It's not. It's more normal to be driving, having a goal, and working hard at it. Like I think that gets yeah. instilled in you. Like definitely. And and I and like I have three brothers. Like there was four of us. Every one of us is self-employed, and I think that's a farming thing too. Um, mm. And if you're a musician, I think it's great to have. You have to think of yourself as being self-employed, even if you're working with a band or whatever. Definitely. Like you really are. You need to have that attitude because it's there's there's a it's not an easy. It's not an easy business. Um, you, you could argue there's not very many easy businesses left, but music is not um, the kind of thing that you should, you know, it doesn't suit everybody in, in, from a business point of view. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, you do definitely need to be, have, you know, be able to stand on your own two feet with it. So that, that the farming thing has definitely given that to me, I think. Um, mm. uh, mucking out sheds. You never want to go back to that, says you. No, it's not great crack or looking <laughs> after not. cleaning sheep's hooves and all this kind of stuff. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, dipping sheep, that's not fun. Yeah. No, sheep dog we used to do that, right? The father used to throw the dog into the dip then. That'd be his, yeah, of course. his wash for the year. Like. Oh, the poor dog. And he wouldn't talk to you for two days. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's true. I always just say to people, or they talk about the musician thing. I just say that I'm just self-employed like everyone else. Like I yeah. have friends yeah. who are builders and all kinds of jobs yeah. and you say, it's just yeah. the same as well it's not the same uh, it's a bit different but really in reality the amount of work is the same you don't ever get well, a day you know, off i mean i'm sure you have friends who are electricians or, or farmers mm-hmm. a bit like the other thing about say a farming background farmers love their job you know yeah. like if, there's no point in being a farmer if you don't like it because no it's not it's relentless it's just it's like being a musician it's relentless it's a vocation and you know and it's the same with music if you don't like going back to what what we've said time and time again talking here, you know, if you, from my perspective, any of the people that I know that are musicians that love it, that makes their life easy. It's if you're sitting there going, what am I doing with my life? Oh God, I wish I was doing something else. It's time, you know, it might be time to get out of it because, yeah, you know, you're going to suffer. It's not, it's not a good place to be in this job, to be uh, worried about um, wringing your hands about what, what career choices you've made, really. You kind of have to go with the flow. Um, and the other thing I'd say to young, to other people, um, something I learned in the, during the pandemic is just because you're a musician doesn't mean you can't diversify and do other things as well as mm. like, you know, I mean, I found myself doing all sorts. I've, I've like, I'm not like yourself, Stephen, probably I'm slightly different in that. Like most of my work, like I said, is events and functions and things. And apart from the t- television and, um, but like I found myself booking gigs and managing bands yeah. and, you know, uh, and getting involved in all that stuff. And I have even like, and I do all the promotion material for the bands and stuff. Um, and the art school background might help with that. But like, I love all of that as well. It's like, you know, it, it goes back to playing to an audience. It's like, if, if I just, it, it's, that's the challenge. It's like, can you make people enjoy what you do? That's mm. kind of the only challenge. If you can do that, then all the numbers start adding up. It's like, then people come to see the show, then people pay you then. But if people don't like what you do, um, then, you know, you're, you you made it's time to get a job. Um, yeah, a real well, you, one. you do a lot of like cover bands and kind of you use what you've yeah. learned over the years to run your own bands. 
was like yeah, like bands and all kinds of things like all sorts. I started out in doing tribute bands in the nineties. That's where I first got my my well good paying gigs, and and they were uh, you know and uh, and you know when you're we, there was a band we set up a disco band in the nineties, and we were playing. Um, we ended up playing like Midnight Olympia, like six months for six months on a Saturday night, and there's not like fifteen hundred people going mental in front of you every Saturday night, and then getting That's well so paid. For it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I would, I'd love they brought that back. Um, but it's like it's like you feel like you're you know it's it's probably the same feeling Ed Sheeran gets. You know what I mean? You've mm. got a big side fill, pumping the music out. You're now you're you know all the all the hard work's taken away because you're playing the best music you know, some of the best music ever made. Because if you're not playing the best music, people aren't going to be dancing to like the way mm-hmm. losing their minds to it. Um and as a bass player, playing like I said before about the Abbott thing, playing some of the best bass oh, parts. Bass lanes, like. You know, and the, all the disco stuff, my God, that was so much fun. Um and still is uh, when I play it on uh, on a wedding. Like and then just seeing fifteen hundred people going mad, you know, and uh and knowing that you've got them. You know, um, and and like from then, from there, like the other thing about it is like, uh, I wouldn't call myself. I'm not a chop space player. I'm not a. Um, I'm not a really like I'm self taught, so I'm not studied. I never never learned from. I never even got a lesson from anyone really, apart from getting my ass kicked by piano players and you know uh, and drummers and you know drummers saying to you you know you know you're you're ahead there or you should you should lay back more or something when you're a young lad you know listen to that because that's the kind of thing that's the kind of thing that makes you. I remember Ray Brown saying in the master class, I get, I get paid to go. I don't get paid for the fancy solo stuff. Exactly. It's called sound and time feel. That's mm. it. Um, and like, so I'm happy if people think that I sound good, you know, that kind of way and fits in with the band. I'm not, I'm not a, but from that, then I, the, the way that I've, and because I get my ass kicked in the bandstand, I learned how to, what I learned about harmony and I learned how to play a rudimentary piano. Can't, I have no chops at all, but, you know, I can work out things. And like, so I learned how to arrange stuff, how to break songs down and stuff. I do that all the time, obviously, for my job. And uh, so that, that allowed me to put, to MD bands, basically, and, and, you know, put tracks together and teach people their parts. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, that's another, that's a diversification. That's the kind of thing, like, I'm, like I said to you, I'm not a chops bass player. I'm not the number one call. Here's the session bass player in Ireland. There are no sessions left anyway, so there's no yeah, point. Exactly. Being, yeah. I couldn't Keep even think who ball. would be the number one call for chop space players in Ireland. Well, there, yeah, there you go. And 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 like and people like Keith Duffy and Tony Malloy and all these fantastic bass players they're maybe a little bit older than me. Um uh, I was I was lucky enough to be in a studio recently and Keith Duffy was playing the bass. I was going, I love your job, your job is great. <laughs> He's a great bass player. And he gets great gigs as well, doesn't he? Doing cool music yeah. like. Yeah, he gets he gets the the Westlife tours and the, the and and rightly so. I mean, he's that's 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 his that's the other thing about being self-employed. Everyone finds their own little niche, and my niche is like what my niche is, and uh, you know, um, and uh, and Keith's fantastic, and that's the thing. But like he'd say himself, he's not one of these guys taking mad solos and no. and doing slapping and tapping. He's playing a Fender Precision with flats and making it sound as as in the pocket as he can and. I mean, he's, he's got great chops, Keith. It's like, it's not like he can't play any of that stuff. It just doesn't, you know, uh, it's called taste, I suppose. And, uh, and he gets hired for his sound and his feel. Um, and he's a great guy. And that's the other thing about bass players. A lot of, I, I know a good few bass players at this point. Most of them are great, great people, you know, yeah. girls and guys now. It's great to see lots of girls playing bass as well. Um, well, more girls playing bass than there used to be probably when I was coming up. And, um, and so like, and, 
you know, I, I love music. So learning more about music, I'll always be doing that. And, uh, and, and, and I love, you know, working with, you know, right now, it might be right now, chord charts or doing backing tracks or, you know, um, uh, teaching vocal parts to, for harmonies to things. And, you know, it's like all, that's all music. And like, I, I heard, I was listening to your thing with Jeff Berlin and I think Jeff talks a lot of sense when he talks about music mm-hmm. and bass players kind of get lost in the bass a bit because, because it's a weird instrument. Like, like I was going back to what we were saying at the beginning, like, why did you love the bass? And why do I love the bass? I couldn't tell you. It's something about gra- you gravitate towards it. It's like, you know, there's, there's no reason for it because it's not the one, it doesn't get you the glory. Nobody knows what it is. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, only other musicians appreciate it really, you know, mm. um, Unless you do this, the, the slap solo, maybe at some point you might go, oh, that sounds like flea, you know, that's great, you know, mm. but, um, you know, so, um, so like, and a lot of bass players are great at, at, um, at, at doing arrangements and stuff because they, they see their, they, they, they're big thinkers, they're whole thinkers because they, they, they see themselves as part of a whole and, and yeah, you have understanding to that to whole. everyone, don't you? You have to listen to the, the whole, because yeah. a lot of bass players become the MD, don't they? That I've noticed yeah, that. Don't they? I've had a few yeah. guests on, had Owen O'Neill. Who was MD yeah. of Riverdance for about ten years, like and yeah. like they're they're big yeah. and who else was on? Um, Paul Bushnell isn't he the commitments MD? Wasn't he? He was MD for commitments and a few other gigs. And uh, Joe yeah. was on, who's uh, MD for um, Big Pop Act at the moment. Loads of them. It's it's it yeah. definitely suits the bass player, doesn't it, to be an MD in a band like the person? Yeah, and I would all, I would say to any bass player, you know, if you got your if you if feel like your 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 bass playing's going well you know get into the piano or get into the guitar you definitely first of all i think every bass player should be at least be able to play one of those other instruments mm. my harmonic instruments to a certain level you know like i'm i'm a brutal guitar player but like you know i can play all the chords you yeah. know kind of same here i can and, i'm good at teaching guitar and i can play it at home but i'll never yeah. play it in public ever again <laughs> just yeah. i've got bass fingers and that's it <laughs> yeah well this is it but, but like if you didn't play the guitar like if i didn't play the guitar and i have to break down a song you know, in, in, like I might have five songs to break down before I go into the late, late. And I'm not one of these people who writes out, you're not going to write out the bass part. And I'm certainly not going to just work, work out the bass part and go, that's grand. You know, you kind of go, I want to know what the harmony is. So you listen to it and you go, well, I think it's this. And I just double check it here, grand. And you want to know, you know, that's a major, not a minor. That's a, you know, you want to hear where the difficult bits are. Um, I mean, it goes back to doing standards as well. That's great. That's a great thing with, you know, you're, you can't, you can't get away to anything if you're trying to walk a bass line. So um, you kind of, you need to know the whole chord. You need to know, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, a seven with a flat 13 or whatever it is. You kind of need to know. And, and like, I'm still, believe me, I don't have it all sorted out, but I'm work I, something I'm constantly working on is trying to um, understand more about music because there's so much to learn. Yeah. Um, it's amazing at the um, moment though with like Rick Beato and all these people online. Yeah. Like I've learned yeah. so much in the last four years about music theory that I hadn't yeah. a clue of before. It's just it, all this YouTube stuff is just amazing for Yeah, and it's it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun to um, you know, uh okay, it's a rabbit hole you could go down and get obsessed by and to no to no end, but um if you're applying it back to what you're doing, then it's it's you know it's always going to be good for you. And like, I always say, like, if you don't, it's like me learning the double bass, go back to learning it properly. I mean, if, if you were to, to break it down on a practical level, I mean, every time it's not like I'm going to earn mega bucks more because I played a double bass. Now it's nice to be able to play both. And you know, you do get the odd call. I do get the odd gig where I'm playing both. Um, but like on paper, 
sticking with the electric bass, I'll, I'll probably just do is fine. But I wanted to learn it, and it's just it's fun. And I always find that if you do if you do put the work into something, it usually pays off in ways you'll never guess in the future. It's not when we did our first comedy album, you know. Uh, with the Camber Quartet, like we were doing, you know, Latin versions of Stairway to Heaven. Did, I didn't realize we get a television show out. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that's more or less exactly what happened. You know, you, we we did something uh, like I recorded and, and there and we 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 self produced it and, and about we probably sold about a thousand of them at college gigs. You know, uh, the type of gig you saw in in yeah. that in in uh, in Clonmel there, like. It was that that kind of crack, but we would we would do Stairway to Heaven in a Latin version. You probably we probably played it that day to you, but we would have done lots of other stuff. And when we put that album together, it was like there's no way anyone's going to buy it, you know. But it's a bit of crack. And then Ryan Tobri started playing it on the radio and getting us well, out of the set. I will say though, well, I was a bit depressed at that time because I was in the factory and I wasn't I didn't have a band rattling, but I yeah. was impressed by the by the whole band like. Your level of musicianship yeah. was well. They're great was, players, aren't they? All you were like a level above, like the average pub. You were above a cover band you see in a pub generally. Like I could tell. Well, that was the you thing. Were all that bit, was the art you know, school thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like we can't just. We're not going to play Mr. Brightside and you know as the record. You know, well, we can do that, and and we'll do that at a wedding. But you know, but you know, when we're doing that type of a gig, there's certain gigs where you can just do whatever you want and have the crack. And it, that that scenario is perfect. And we did so many gigs like that where it's. Like you say, it's a lot of factory workers or people working in a company that they're, you know, they're, they're they're doing their job and it's fine. But like, it's a lunchtime gig. I mean, are you going to sit? Really going to? You're going to? You're, you're not going to rock out, are you? You're not going to no, sit there rocking not. out. You're not going to be. You don't want to. You don't want to hear like um, Poe Face, Steely Dan covers. You, you know, it has to have the. You have to have the crack, and mm. um, that's what we designed the thing. It just came out of us naturally that way. Myself and Paddy, when we got together doing things, and then when we added in, like me and Paddy would would be the first to say. Um, at the beginning that we were the worst musicians in the band we we got like the best piano player sax player we got the best drummer we could find but what, what i think what the and uh what the other guys in the band realized is that with a bit of crack their musicianship was allowed to shine with all we did was add a bit of crack into it and mm-hmm. and come up with some fresh ideas to do it to do with playing covers let's say and, and you have to have that personality like uh, you know the type of frontman that can could get back at a heckler and beat the heckler every time you know and uh i mean we used to get bottled off for doing Jimi hendrix covers in latin style and we did everything in a latin style it was like that's your people, go-to like people, usually it's like yeah. you know they do um uh, a pop song a sad version yeah. or they'll do yeah. a happy version of a of a sad song you just do a latin version of everything yeah we used to just and, and like you know somebody would be a big fan of Jimi hendrix would come up to you at, at the side of the stage you stop playing that i'm gonna, I'm gonna kick your uh, you know <laughs> And like, okay, people aren't as it's a bit. It's it, twenty years later. People aren't as uh, pr- precious, let's say, anymore. Yeah, dogmatic about to, these genres. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's what that's the reaction we were looking for. It was like, yeah, we're doing something right. If there's some yeah. hater out there, that's great. You know, at least they're you're you're um they didn't see this one coming. You know, so uh, yeah, it was yeah, and uh, and we used to do like um everything I do, I do it for you by Brian Adams. But get the audience to give us chat up lines and put them all into the song um, and do it on the stage. Like, so, you know, that kind of stuff it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely an art school thing, but um, yeah. And, but like you say, add in the brilliant musicianship from the other guys. Um, and that's, that's how I learned. I learned all my, anything I learned is because I realized I was crap and these guys were brilliant and I had to get kind of try and get to their level. And those guys were brilliant, you know, and they still are. Um, and uh, I'm still trying to get to their level. <laughs> 
<laughs> stop. Yeah, but you're right. I do that as well. I always play with musicians better than me. Like it's the yeah, only way it, to push yourself. Like totally. Um, I that that'll be that'll be the best piece of advice. And like the the hard thing, I suppose, is probably trying to get to the point where those musicians will play with you. So you, you're obviously doing something right, Stephen. Well, you get them a gig. <laughs> if they're going to get paid, they don't care that's how true. shit you are. They're like, there it goes diversification. Book the gig there. Yeah, yeah. that's another thing. Don't sit in your, don't, you don't be sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah, try and book a gig. You know, I, I, like I said, when I got the double bass, I'm not blowing me on trouble here. But like, because we're bass players, if you don't book a gig, you won't be. You know, I'm not used to people ringing me with gigs. You know, I've I've I realized over the years that you're you are better off trying to put a gig together and uh, and that's where your network comes in and playing with good people and like you say you put something good together that people will want and then get good players to play it and put it like that's my business i suppose i'm not mm. i'm not trying to do um a modern irish rock album every year or every other year um i'm not um i'm just you know playing a few cover versions in it, trying to freshen it up and make it sound brilliant and sell it to the people and you know and an event or whatever or a corporate you know and uh and play it as well as possible and put a bit of pizzazz on it and uh yeah. but like you know if you booked if you do that you can do that anyone can do that you just you know decide to do it and use it's willpower really is, is all it is um, don't be afraid to sell yourself either like if you're good if you know the band is good you know get yeah. paid what you're worth like yeah and be realistic about yourself. I mean, I'm, I, I, I like to think, you know, when you asked me to do this, I was like, um, is he mad? Why does he want to talk to me? You know, because like, okay, maybe the late, late is an interesting job, but um, I'm like, like, you know, I'm not like a, a name musician or anything like that. I'm just, uh, I'm just, it's, 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 uh, you know, I'm a nobody, Stephen, um, but I'm not, a, I'm not on, I do You're have. being too Irish uh, now, being too self-deprecating. Being too self-deprecating. But I don't want to be, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do, t- I am self-deprecating by nature, I think. I don't think I'm, I think if you're realistic about your abilities and, and where you're at as well, it's better because you're, you, you know, realize that you can, if you're, you should always be thinking that you have to work hard at getting better because otherwise you will never get better. Um, and I definitely feel like that all the time. But while I'm on that stage and if I can do the job, I'm delighted with myself. It's the best crack, you know? So, mm. and like, it's amazing that I, I have a job in the late, late still and I'm, I'm still playing and, and um, having the fun. Like, like I said, I, there was no, pathway here that was obvious it was complete fluke really well um, i think someone said was it i think it was i think it was dave swift was saying yeah. people always say to him you're so lucky to be on the yeah. thing and he's he says it's not it wasn't luck you might use a different word because i put all yeah. this hard i worked really yeah. hard and if i got the audition for that gig and i wasn't good i wouldn't have got the gig so all luck in the world wouldn't True. have given me this gig like so there's yeah. it's a lot of hard work really as well and then a bit of luck to, for the opportunities to come like yeah no no it is it is i mean like but like uh, yeah i'd be the first to say though like i say that um i'm always play i always feel like i'm probably the worst musician on the stage um and i don't mind that you know i i, I you know i know look look i know i've put work in to a certain to a level that i'm happy with in a lot of ways and then i know what i can do the job i do and uh um and I and I really enjoy it. So that's the the thing. But yeah, like, look, I, I yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'll take that. Uh, Dave is a fan, Dave Swift is a fantastic player. I mean, geez, like you know, and like he he. Um, I suppose I I have that. Um, it's a typically Irish thing, but I have that um, that problem in that I am self taught, and people who are self taught are always going to be like you know um, uh, a, a bit uh, wary of saying you know I'm brilliant, aren't I? Mm. I did it all by myself. When you know you know. Like I know all the mistakes that I, you know, could clear. I'd like, let me put it this way. 
I would love to take two years out now and go back to New Park or somewhere and spend two years studying, like mm. at my age. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny because I, I love it more than ever in a way, playing the bass, you know, it's, and, and I would just enjoy that. And then, and I know if I came out the other side of that, it, it wouldn't make any difference really to my life in terms of, it'd make me a better player. I know it would, because mm. I could be able to practice more than one, an hour a day. Um, but, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't change anybody else's perception of me. It'd be all for myself, you know, mm. um, because I know in my head, I'd be going, I'd love to be better. I'd love to be better. I'd love to have the time to be better. And if I'd only done it before I was 17 or when I only done it in my twenties, um, you know, but like, look, we, we are where we are. This is it. I have to say, I think you're doing an hour a day is class. Like, cause that's, that kind of practice builds yeah. up over time in a serious way. So yeah, you don't, if you can get in an hour a day, like that's really going to yeah, make I, a big difference. Like. Well, like, I, I won't lie. I mean, having a pandemic helped in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, a bit of time yeah. for shaving. And, and actually, yeah, it was it was good for the mental health too, because if you're like, I was trapped in the house. I have kids. I was homeschooling. Um, another great thing about this job is that, you know, I was able to do that. And I, like, you know, and we did have, the, like I had the PUP and I could stay home and we managed to make ends meet. And it was great because I actually had a great time with the kids. And, but it allowed me, if I ever felt like, oh God, I'm just, like I'm down or I feel like I'm trapped in this bloody house for the last three months. I go in and practice and play music, yeah, even if it wasn't, but usually I have a routine and I, I I'm always working on something. And, uh, and, uh, if you look back over six months, you go, yes, I'm better at that. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I think it's nice. I think it, a lot of people can handle an hour, um, a day and like, uh, it pays off when you go to do the gig. I, I found it. Did you find it really hard when you came out of the pandemic to do when you did your first gig? You were like, Oh my God. I'm yeah. So well, the chops were horrific. Like it's, oh. it's the stuff you don't practice at home. Like, you know, the endurance and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's like, there's a, there's a definitely a, 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 doing a podcast. <laughs> Girlfriend's bringing in the dog. No. <laughs> this is like during the pandemic, isn't it? Everyone interrupts you when you're trying to do oh, stuff. Oh yeah, this is, I said to me, oh yeah, I said to my young fella, because uh, he, he, that door back there leads to his bedroom. I said, you know, I'm going to be doing a podcast, so you can't, like he's in his pajamas still probably. I said, you can't be running in and out getting your clothes. <laughs> uh, fix the water problem when I get off the podcast. Fix the water problem? There's oh, no geez. water apparently. There you are, there's a farming background will come back to you there as well. Yeah, yeah. dig a well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all had our own well, didn't we? Um, I can't even remember what we were talking about there, but anyway, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> but I uh, know it was class having you on. Uh, really, we, we suppose we were just talking about bass player. It's kind of funny doing a podcast, the whole idea of doing this thing with Irish bass players, because we're all, they're very modest, like, and yeah, even their style of playing is informed by the Irish mentality. They're, they're, yeah. they're class bass players, but they're, none of them are doing the kind of flashy stuff. You know, it doesn't make no, them le any less good as bass players. Like, you know, I think we're lucky in this country in that as musicians, you can get out there and play um, like there's there's gigs to learn your craft. I mean, when, certainly I'm not sure when I was coming up in the 90s, there'd be three jazz, three or four jazz sessions you go to on a Sunday afternoon to go and look at people playing. You could, you know, there was a lot of little gigs that made, mightn't pay very much, but there was a lot of them. And and like and there is, you know, it's maybe it comes from the show band era. There's always been like gigs out there for bands um playing weddings and things like that and and so it, that craft come back to that crafting and a lot of irish bass players are great at doing their job you know um because they can get that experience maybe that's something that i think the young the younger players nowadays 
you know, when we, when I was younger, there was no colleges that you could go to really. Maybe New Park was there in the 90s, but there was no colleges um, unless you were going to do the classical thing. Um, there was no BIM, for instance, and you couldn't do rock and pop. You know, you'd have to go get a private teacher and all that. Mm. And now, now there's a lot of that, but there's not as many gigs maybe, or there, you know, um, like I learned everything on, on the bandstand and I was even talking to the guys in the late, late yesterday, like Jonathan, the MD, he, um, like he's self-taught as well. He's playing the piano. He's a drummer, but he's playing, he's a great piano player. Uh, and normally when he's MD and he's behind the kit, um, and he has the same thing I have, you know, that little bit of lack of confidence because they're self-taught, but like you could throw any song at John and you go, yeah, it's a six chord, four chord, five, you know, Mm. He, he hears the music and everything. He knows exactly what's going on, and that's from that's because that's the job, you know that kind of way. Um, he's got brilliant ears, and he's uh, and and if you throw something out, he will be able to do it. Uh, and and it's not about like you say when you when you have videos of people doing really choppy stuff or um, slap and tap on the bass. Let's say that's not practical stuff. It's brilliant, but it's not practical stuff. So Irish people, Irish musicians are great because they've got gigs to learn how to learn the job. Um, I think maybe that's that's just my two cents on it. Maybe we've had that tradition here of you know bands at weddings and you know paying for entertainment maybe a little bit. Um, and there there were gigs to learn your craft on. So that's my theory anyway. No, I think you're spot on. So I re- that was class coming on. I'll put your link because t- you have a load of stuff going on. Yeah, we have like the the vintage. What's it called the vintage boombox? Boombox, yeah. That where that's people the can check out double your double bass, bass yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah, that's to get me uh, out gigging. Yeah, yeah. If a load of things going on, I'll put them all in links. Would you ever, would you ever think of start posting up some stuff on Instagram, kind of based stuff, or you never really got into that kind of putting up like the the twenty second or the clips? Like I've of, done like, some like I, I, some playthroughs of some bits and pieces on the Instagram. All right, like I'll put up a cool little like like uh, you know a snippet of a song that I'm playing and mm. jamming along with maybe. Um, but yeah, I it's funny. I it's uh it's something you kind of have to think about, isn't it? Like the, your approach to it. I mean, you're doing, you're, you're doing a great job there with like the amount of people you've met and talked to as well. It must be, it must feel really gratifying for you to do a podcast. Like, you know, you're talking with some big heavyweights and it's, you're it's having nice, great conversations. Yeah. Like bass players are very approachable. Like, you know, you could yeah. get back to your email, which is cool. Like, yeah, it's no, but it's brilliant. Like, you know, I mean, these are world-class people you're talking to and stuff. And, um, as and like yourself, you know, you're, you're part, oh, sure, look, <laughs> you're part of that. <laughs> but like yeah no i mean i like when when the pandemic came the, the wife said to me would you do some teaching i said I, I don't know i've never been taught so i don't know if i can do some teaching and i, I think it'd be a bit weird for me to start doing lessons on instagram or whatever but maybe a bit I, i'll try and do a bit more on it maybe just a bit more playing on it maybe and stuff um but uh yeah because i do enjoy it when i do post stuff up on it for the crack like but uh, yeah so I, I know um do you know niway the congolese guitarist he lives in dublin oh uh, yeah Yes, I, I did a movie with him about 10 years ago. Oh, really? He was, yeah, he... I was doing the music for, I, was record, I had to record him and a bunch of Congolese fellas doing um, some music for a movie that came out that didn't do very well. But anyway, he was the, he, he was the leader of the band. He's fantastic. Yeah, and he, he's an amazing teacher and musician. But all he does is just put up like a simple video. He's like, here's a, a scale or country motion or whatever he's doing. Like, and. It's well, I, you know, stuff. I might do that, Stephen. I might think of something like that. Something that I, that's a good thing. You know, if I come across something cool, I might do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I, I definitely need to do something different. I think I'm kind of, it's not, um, it'd be, uh, I, uh, I need to think about it. Let's put it that way. And uh, <laughs> find a new approach. Yeah, yeah. We'll look forward to seeing it anyway. So cheers for coming on. I'll check you out 
on the late late night. While I'm off now for the next few weekends, I'll oh, good definitely man. check it out. And I'll be Enjoy seeing if time. you're miming or not. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you can message me <laughs> and I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I haven't even posted anything about... Sorry, I just popped this in my... I haven't posted much about the late late actually since I came back. So we'll start doing that as well. Um, give a shout out to all the guys in the band there and the girls. Um, it's... Uh, bit of crack you know yourself but um yeah i look forward to your feedback Stephen. thank you very much for having me on no bother <laughs>